All right. So, um, episode 34, Baddest Records Podcast, Louis Pagan. How's it going? It's going good, man. It's um, good to be here. I, uh, I said it right, right? You did. I think I yeah. butchered it the first time you were oh, here. But... Everybody does, man. It's, it's that accent over the second A that sometimes doesn't get typed. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I appreciate it. Um, so we know each other via, uh, the infamous Brett Batliner. <laughs> uh, he one time, uh, cooked for me at a place in Lee Summit. Uh, however, I forget how you guys know each other. Uh, well, I met Brett probably through a mutual friend of ours who I went to high school with named, uh, Sean, Sean Winter. Okay. You know, Sean? I don't think so. No. Well, um, yeah, just, just food industry. Okay. Peeps. And um, just from hanging around in downtown Lee Summit a lot, I actually I actually saw Brett a couple of days ago. Oh yeah, um, we were just talking about how crappy that Chiefs game was. Oh my god, yeah, I had a feeling uh, all week long like this is the total uh, trap game. Overlook on the schedule, Colts are struggling. We'll come out there and have zero issues getting that W. And then it was just like what. Right at the very beginning, too. I was like, are you, are you serious? Man? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I, I don't, it doesn't strike, you know, it's not familiar to me that you did restaurant industry time. Did you do a lot or? Almost none. No. Oh, okay. I mean, I, have, I haven't worked anywhere in downtown Lee Summit. Um, actually, the extent of my experience in that is is probably would be just like being a delivery guy. Okay. Like I've done delivery driving for Pizza Huts and Domino's sure. and just just like random bars like up in Minnesota too. Okay. But I've like I've I've never been like a line cook or okay. or so you, bar like waited tables or anything like that. Social circles, you know yeah. people. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Um is he he's been uh, a person that I have not I mean several reschedules. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, to try uh, to get. But uh, but I figured like you know uh, he was uh, somebody that was um, kind of always a question mark on the schedule. Yeah. Like, uh, like oh, hope he's going to be here today. Um, so I <laughs> I expected nothing less. But um, good kid nonetheless. Is he is he still pursuing the rap thing that you know of or? Um. I don't know for sure. We talk about music a lot. I bet. Like we all, we talk all about like, you know, different bands that, that he sees. Like uh, the other day he was, um, what were you talking about? We're, I guess we're the same age. So we talk a lot about the stuff that we grew up on. Sure. Like uh Lincoln park and Deftones and, you know, we, we both love Chevelle a lot and, and it's, it's fun to like bond over that kind of stuff. But also there's some newer bands that we've kind of, got on about that that kind of harkened back to that sound so he's just a fun person to talk music with you know well he's uh he's clever and he's got a good sense of humor and likes to have a good time and Um, and his his rapping stuff is good i know i know well it was good 10 years ago when he was cooking for me um and uh so does that make are you are you 30 yeah okay so he's he's right there with you yeah, I, th- I think we probably graduated the same year okay. in high school, but he went to North. Who knows? At least Summit North. It's a whole other school, whole other universe out there in the Summit. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. Uh, if you don't, if you didn't, if you don't live there, didn't grow up there, I mean, it's like 
I remember when I, and it's obviously grown over the last 20 years, but uh, I moved back here in 2000 and I was dating a girl whose folks lived out there. And I remember uh, getting out there for the first time. And I have an uncle and an aunt out there. My ex-wife has cousins out, but just being like, oh my God, this is enormous. Yeah. Like, yeah it's, it's, it's a whole huge. other thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, you just, you mentioned Minnesota and that jogged my memory a little bit to when you, you came by to help me get this thing going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. many thanks for that. That was really great. Oh um, man, it's, it's a pleasure. I, I love doing all that kind of stuff. So, um, so born and raised in Minnesota and then moved to Lee Summit or no? Uh, I, so I kind of moved around a little bit. I was born in, uh, a town called Marshall in Michigan. Okay. So I was born there. My sister was born in Evanston, Illinois, uh, where my parents were completing their doctorate degrees at Northwestern. Wow. And so that happened. And then they moved to um, Michigan, where my dad got his first job. And then I was born. And then he got a better job in Duluth, Minnesota. And that's where my brother was born. Okay. And then after that, he got another better job in Colorado. Enter the colorado phase okay of my life so i was six years old when we moved there and then he got the job at umkc when i was 13 so i had like a good seven years there um and then yeah after after that they've my parents have just been chilling here the right. whole time so. so uh sister are you the baby I'm the middle kid. You're the middle. Yep. And younger brother is like uh, Air Force. That's right. Alaska. Yeah. Or yeah, something? Okay. yeah. Good memory, man. Well, I mean, well, uh, the only reason uh, is because we did a demo and, uh, you know. To, oh, yeah, yeah. And like. We did talk for some. Like all of a sudden 20 bit. minutes went by. Yeah. And then after you were gone, uh, I rendered it and sent it to myself and listened to it like on my phone with the headphones in. And yeah. So, uh I think it came up then and you know, it was, it wound up being, I mean, I was, I was fascinated by just the little 20 minute chat. We Dude, had. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were going, going. Uh, it so he's, cool. he's still doing that. He's still in the services and still out of Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. He lives in a, uh, him and his wife live in a little town called a Chugiak. Okay. Which is 25 ish minutes i think north of anchorage okay but i'm not totally sure it's it's close enough that it's not a big hassle to drive in there sure but also um you know which which is where the base is like basically just outside of anchorage so when he drives to work i think it's like a 20 25 minute okay drive. uh and your sister's where she's back in denver okay she just had her first baby. Oh wow! So yeah, you're so first time now. uncle. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. So that's that's a new thing that happened. Um, I have three younger sisters: two here and uh, single, one in Chicago, three daughters, and uh, this is a birthday card that they made me here on the wall that says "Happy Happy Birthday, <laughs> Uncle <laughs> Blair." Uh, and they're all you know, first grade and and younger. Um, and it was just it came uh, i mean probably right around the time you came here first i think i think it was last it might have been the december before but either way it was very yeah. very sweet and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna make that a a nice piece for the wall because uh it's cool being an uncle dude it is man it is i've i've really been enjoying it so far um i kind of wish we lived closer but uh i've already i think i've seen it maybe like five or six times oh for real so yeah i nice. mean she's 
she comes and visits. My mom and dad like to, I think just my mom went and visited one time because my parents are like so, so, so stoked to be grandparents now. It's awesome. Um, and yeah, they're, they're just like, it's, it's weird to like see my sister as a mom. Yeah. It's I, not weird. Like I like, I'm surprised that she's a good right, mom, right. but it's, it's just kind of surreal to, to just know that that's like who she is yeah. now. And it's, and it's so awesome. She sends us videos all the time of the kid and he's, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a trip, man. Are the three of you as siblings close? Yeah. Very nice. Extremely close. Um, like every day. Oh, that's awesome. Um, how often do you get to see your brother? I wish a little bit more often, you know, cause it's just hard with the distance and stuff, but, um, let's see, I guess the next time I'm going to see Charlie would be, uh, so I might've told you when we were talking last that we, we go to Breckenridge every two years. Sounds a a little familiar. I think that's the next time I'm going to see him. So that'll be in like eight months or so. Okay. I did get to see him earlier this year because he had quite a bit of leave and, or he had like a TDY somewhere, but then he had like a couple of days left over and he was able to come through here for a weekend or something. Nice. It was just like really, really convenient. So. So your folks are uh, super smart people. Doctorates from Northwestern. They both got their doctorates in music. I don't know if that's a smart thing to get a a music (laughs) degree and take it that far. Just for Northwestern to take a look at you. Yeah. I mean, not everybody gets to go there that wants to, I don't think. Yeah, they they certainly um, took on a lot of debt, and they they just went for it. Are they – is that where they met? They actually met when they were doing their undergrads at Kent State in Ohio. Okay. So that's that's what that – that's how they sort of came together. Uh, so yeah, they've, I mean, they've known each other since maybe like 20. Yeah. Late teens, early twenties. Got married like maybe seven or eight years later and then started popping the kids out. Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, and so you're 30 and you're the middle brother is how much younger? He's going to turn, 28 tomorrow is okay. his birthday. Okay. Happy, actually. happy belated by the time this comes out. Char- <laughs> did you say Charlie? Yep. Happy belated to Charlie. Yeah, uh, and, and your sister's how old? She is going to be... God, it's so crazy how this gets harder to remember. Like well, when you get co- older. this COVID fog behind us, I don't uh, think, has helped with dates and memory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she... Um, I want to say she's 31. Okay. So they kind of like did it. I mean, uh, get pop out the kids, and they're all like a nice short yep. spread. Yep, so and that, then done so. But I mean, uh, also like that makes for a lot of time under the same roof. Yeah, like a uh, dude that was just over uh, is is just him and his younger brother, who's my age. Yeah, and he's ten years older. Dang. Man. So like I met my buddy in like 86 and we ride bikes around and shoot do whatever, go to school together. Yeah. And it was like a, a while before I was like, wait, you have an yeah. older brother. Cause he was already gone. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean, and starting his life and stuff probably. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, actually he's a musician. Oh, cool. Uh, he just, um, spent a big chunk of time in St. Louis Nice. Um, and now is living um, kind of outside of Topeka. Um, and 
he's itching. He hasn't had, had a gig since December, uh, just because uh. of the way things have, but he's, uh, he's a guitar player and he's, uh, like a straight jazz guru. Like, oh, wow. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, some of the, I mean, Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. Louis and, Armstrong. Yeah, Louis Armstrong came up a ton. A you're a pianist. Right. All, all the, yeah, that's cool, man. Um, wild stuff. Uh, yeah. Specifically, I mean, all of the things that he sent me were great, but uh, there was a record called uh, Sinatra Live at the Sands. Huh. And it's from, um, and we talked a good bit about Miles Davis too. It's it's a it's from '66 and it's in Vegas and uh, Count Basie's 18 piece orchestra is the backing. Oh jeez! And it's a double <laughs> album and you know Sinatra Sinatra just has the room. The, everybody's like bated breath between every song and when that's it's, tremendous. Yeah, really wild. Um, but did they? Did mom and dad? Uh, did they play music in the home like uh, records or have the radio on or? Uh, it's it's funny because we have two grand pianos in that house. They're they're both Steinways, so there's a lot of piano playing, um, and they they have like a like a vinyl player and like a stereo set. But it's it's almost like there's kind of this weird phenomenon that I don't hear people talking a lot about. Where like if you're if you're a musician and like music is like kind of your life, then sometimes you just like don't want to like it's. Sometimes you just don't want to listen to it because you're like, I've, I've been like dealing with this all day. So dude, I uh, would, ex I would expect like, if I like from an outsider's point of view, I feel like people would be like, Oh, you guys don't like listen to music in the house. I mean, I had <laughs> the dude I had on for episode 12. Uh, he's a super bowl champion. Oh, wow. Uh, played at K state and then was drafted by the Cardinals and played for a couple of shitty Rams teams, but dude, still, that's amazing. He won a super bowl in new Orleans with drew Brees. Um, and when I first met him and was like learning a little bit about, you know, I asked him one day, like, uh, you know, when you're, um, not playing, are you consuming the other games via tele? He's like, absolutely not yeah because i, I mean like, you you gotta take a break yeah, sometimes yeah. man i was like what because he sometimes will see like nfl athletes like tweeting uh you know during sunday night game or whatever it is yeah uh, so you I just assume that everybody is and he's like no man not at all and i was like that makes that makes sense so they didn't they didn't have uh the radio on or put put records on when you guys were little i mean when we were growing up yeah like i remember Probably the first music I ever remember hearing in my life was uh, the Revolver on cassette. Uh, the Beatles, yeah, okay, lot, lot of Beatles growing okay. up, and just a lot of like random classical music, okay, and stuff. My, they're they're both like super super knowledgeable in jazz, jazz and classical. But I would say that like stylistically, my dad is jazz like big time, uh, and my mom is really into classical music, but like specifically like this Spanish kind of a style. Really? Yeah. It's, it's kind of a weird, I wouldn't really call it like a niche thing, but she likes a lot of the Spanish composers Cool. and actually recorded an album. I actually recorded her and kind of mixed and mastered, um, an album that she came out with of like solo piano music. Really? Yeah. Her own original material. Not, not original. Okay. Stuff, okay. But, but, but she, it's her playing it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that was, 
that was a cool project. What uh, did it? Does it live somewhere? I mean, or is it? Did you just burn it onto discs, or what? How did? I don't know if she put it up on, like, if she put it through DistroKid and it's it's on iTunes and stuff. I think it might be like okay. iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. But well, she what's has, it called? It's called Cordoba, okay. which is like a place in Spain. I guess. Yeah. I've never been yeah. There. Uh, with an accent over the first O. Yes. Right. Cordoba. Cordoba. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the name of it. And and what's her name? Her name's Julie. Julie. Okay. Interesting. I'd be curious just to do a search and see if it's out there. And I want to go back and listen to that stuff because it just takes me back. Like how long ago did you do it? Four. I want to say four years ago. Okay. It actually, we were working on it four years ago, and the recording process probably took less than a year. It was it was just kind of us getting together whenever we both had time. Sure. And she's very. Um, She's she's an outstanding pianist, but she's like really hard on herself and like oh, I bet. gets into her head and is like kind of a perfectionist. She doesn't work like in music full time. She works for Sun. I almost said Sun Microsystems. God, she works for Oracle. Okay, uh, the which, new Cerner or no? Yes. Okay. Well, they just acquired Cerner, right? Actually, right. but no, she's been working for Oracle for I want to say close to twenty years now. Oh. she started before we moved here. But back then it was called Sun Microsystems. Okay. So she's a technical account manager for them. Um, I think when she was around 40 years old, she just decided to completely pivot because it's, it's just hard. The music industry is just hard, man. Well, yeah. What, really was she do- to, what was she doing prior to the pivot? Uh, she did, like, she was teaching piano lessons a lot. She was teaching pedagogy lessons, like, in the colleges and stuff. And what, what is it? Pedagogy. What's that? Pedagogy is basically teaching people how to teach something. Okay. Like, okay. like mus- musical pedagogy, like would be you instructing a piano teacher how to teach their students. Interesting. It's really, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I should ask her more about that. But I think at a certain point, like this was like right after we moved to Colorado, money was kind of a struggle, even though my dad just got like the new job and stuff. And then she, had um it was my dad's sister so her sister-in-law's husband i guess that would be her brother-in-law right yeah um he worked for sun microsystems at that time too and i guess they got talking they got to talking and she just up and was like you know dude fuck this i'm sick of like being poor all the time yeah so she took a loan from her dad my grandpa to like enroll in some classes and ended up doing well enough that she just like started her career path in that. And that's that's what she's been doing. And that was a big reason why, why we're able to like live in the house that we lived in and stuff. Where was she wouldn't have already been an empty nester by then. Like, no, no, not even close. I mean, I would have been like seven or eight or nine years old when she, like was just getting started okay. with it. Yeah. Uh, and what, so what is that? What has dad done since uh, being at Cornell? So um, with all of that, my dad was basically, he had kind of like the same job, like in a bunch of different colleges. Like his thing was, he was either, he didn't become a department head until he was at Ottawa, which was the last one, but he was like the assistant director of, of like the jazz studies program at, umd in duluth 
that job sucked. He hated that job. <laughs> uh, and then CU Boulder. Okay. Where he was doing the same thing. So. Not cheap teach, to live in Boulder. Teach, oh, no. Well, we didn't live in Boulder. Oh, okay. We, we lived in Westminster. Okay. Which was easier. Right, right. And he would just drive up to Boulder and then play gigs in Denver and stuff. And just, he, so he would teach a lot of random classes. He would teach like theory classes. There was like a music history class, a jazz history class, like in one of the big auditoriums where he had like a lot of students and would direct combos and he had big bands too. That was, nice. that's the thing that I think that he loves and kind of misses the most is he is like a big band director okay. kind of personality. Wow. So I grew up like, you know, it would be like a Tuesday or a Wednesday night it, me as like a 10 or 11 year old, we'd, we'd go to like, um, the auditorium. I don't remember what it's called in, in Boulder and, and just like watch my dad get whatever group that he had at the time. We would just like watch his big band. Wow. And those are some of my earliest memories of seeing any kind of live music. Wow. Yeah. That's so kind of that, cool. It is kind of cool. Like at the time it was just kind of like, yeah, I'm sitting there like, you know how kids can be restless yeah. and yeah. like, just like annoying you gotta bring and stuff. snacks and things for them to and do you're just and like falling asleep in yeah chair, like while something amazing is happening yeah. in front of you <laughs> and like i wish i could go back and uh you know now he doesn't work at a college at all he, he just gigs and is working on a lot of his own music so i, I kind of miss that um what what are what's uh, is he, he's not like a, con, a composer or a conductor or oh, he's, he's big time composer okay yeah okay it's kind of like I think that's what he got his doctorate in. Okay. Or maybe his master's. I don't know. It's it's weird. So he's he's like the the, the primary stage presence. I mean, yeah. obviously all the musicians are amazing and doing their own thing, but he's le- leading the show, he's, right? Yeah. He's really good with like reading the room and, and entertaining a certain okay. venue. Uh, he gigs at the Majestic Steakhouse on Monday nights, he plays the piano upstairs there. There's like a downstairs. Yeah. You've you've been there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he, on Tuesday nights, he plays at cafe trio. Oh, wow. From like six to nine. Okay. I think they have a nice, a pretty decent piano in there. And then, uh, a kind of a more recent one is, um, on Thursday nights from like four to seven. I think he's been playing at this, uh, restless spirits distillery. I haven't heard of it. It's a pretty, I don't know how long they've been there. They're like relatively new compared to these other places. Um, they're really cool. My parents both are like really friendly with the owners of that. Um, in fact, for my mom's birthday a couple weeks ago, they actually had them over for dinner. Um, and so my dad got that somehow. Nice. So he's, so he's gigging like three, four, sometimes like five or six times a week. Wow. That's just like what he does now. That's awesome. Sometimes he... I get to play with him. No kidding. Yeah. Does he, uh, is it um, uh, challenging or tough for him to, you know, do the the booking end of things, or does he have a person do that for him? Or he just does it all himself. Okay. I mean, today we were hanging out, and he asked me early this morning if I could do like a duo gig with him this Friday, and I'm going out of town this Friday, so I can't do it. He said he's been asking, he asked like five people and like, it's, it's hard to get somebody that's not already playing a gig on a Friday. Yeah, I bet. So I don't know what he's going to do. He's playing at a um, Sullivan's in Leewood. Okay. It's a pretty, 
pretty cool restaurant. So he, he piano, does he sing while he plays? No. Okay. That would be pretty, I mean, he can sing. Sure. He's got perfect pitch. Wow. I have the perfect pitch. Like, I th- I think that kind of absolute pitch is, is kind of like a hereditary thing. Uh-huh. So I have it, and he has it, and he actually, like, something that's, like, crazy about my dad is, like, he's, like, a phenom pianist. I'm not just saying this because, like, I'm his son. Right. Like, he's... He, like, legitimately is, like, a freak of nature at the piano. Wow. But, like, early in his college days, he, he like, wasn't he wasn't that good at it, like, from a super, super young age. Um, his dad played, and his dad, like, did gigs and stuff, like, in Northeast Ohio, like, okay. where he came from. So that's kind of where he picked it up. But he grew up, like, with five other siblings um, in a household with not a lot of income so they didn't he like he wasn't able to like take lessons sure. and stuff but he knew that he really liked piano but like when he was like doing his college auditions and stuff he like wasn't good enough at it to have that be his primary instrument sure. so he started like as as like a vocalist like okay. his, he was like a voice major huh. which is like wild to think about because he doesn't sing at all but i think him doing that kind of gave him like this this weird background and like one thing that he's super super good at is like doing arrangements for like jazz vocal groups okay like he's incredibly well versed in like voice leading just like basic composition stuff but like for like choral groups hmm. so that's that's one thing that i i know that he loves a lot and misses a lot about school is is directing like a group of singers. So when he gigs, it's just instrumental piano music. Yeah. Okay. And so I would say that he knows he knows how to sing. He he's got like a really good sensibility for just what makes someone's voice sound good. Uh, even just as far as like timbre, not even just like being on pitch and like in in rhythm and stuff. But but he doesn't sing. He can sing. He just he just doesn't. Sure. He's a piano man. So, but when he asks you to gig with him, does he? Are you? Do you play guitar? Is I forget what you're. So I'm like, kind of. I kind of. I I do bass and guitar and drums. Okay. Guitar is my main, like my first love. Sure. Uh, bass is kind of the thing that I have the most formal training in. Oh. Because he started teaching me bass lessons himself because he plays bass too just not like an upright or yeah okay yeah not like as much or as as often as i do and i don't play a lot of upright these days but when i was like eight years old right after we moved to colorado that first time he had this this little half size upright bass that he got i don't know where he got it but um and then he had a bass too so he just started teaching me lessons wow well at the same time my mom was teaching me piano lessons so i I have i have the seven years of piano lessons and then i was a shit student man (laughs) i was so bad i never wanted to practice and i was complaining about it all the time and then it's a hard habit to develop and then when my mom started her new career i got a different teacher somehow and like didn't put it together until much later that she was like i can't fucking teach this kid (laughs) and like and and still like focus on a new career and stuff right it probably wasn't really like that, but anyways, at the same time, my dad was like, you know, teaching me bass and he's, he's like a badass composer. So he was like composing exercises for me to work on and, and like making my own book. Oh, wow. Basically. Um, well, uh, I mean, it's 
you know, uh, developing that habit, that practice habit is, um, I mean, it was hard for me when I was young and I would suspect, you know, as technology advances and attention spans kind of diminish a little bit. I mean, it's hard to see like, you know, you don't, you don't have the, the foresight to be like, I'm really going to appreciate that I stuck with this in 15 years or 10 years exactly. or whatever. Like, it's just, you know, it's like a chore. Almost. Even if you love your instrument and love music, but you're still just, you know, you know nothing except for, you know. A couple of chords. Yeah. Maybe your favorite song or exactly. something. Um, but yeah, I, I totally, I relate with that really on a super deep level because everyone tells you, you know when you're like super, super young, like, Oh, you're going to be so glad that you did this or you shouldn't take this for granted, but you still, yeah, nobody, no eight year old kid wants to sit down at the piano and practice the hand and exercises right. and like arpeggios and stuff for like an hour a day, man. Just like nobody wants to do it. Yeah. I'm going to be outside, like kicking a soccer ball exactly. around or something Yeah, um, or, or throwing a baseball around in my case. So when he would, um, you know, when he, if he's, doing a performance on stage with, you know, a, a big band or a number of musicians. Is he, is it original material? Is he doing, uh, other people's stuff or some kind of combo or I would say like on the gigs that I've been a part of, which there was a point there where I was actually playing with him like pretty often. And then COVID kind of messed some stuff up as we're all aware. Mm-hmm. But like, like if it was just like a duo, It'd be a pretty good, I want to say like maybe 80 to 20% ratio of, of just like straight ahead standards. And then the 20% of, of stuff that he's either done an arrangement of, or it's just a flat out original composition. Wow. Wow. So, so a lot, so most of it is, I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of jazz guys out there that are doing mostly original gigs because it's, right. cause it's, it just takes like. First of all, like it's it you you have to play for like four hours. Yeah, yeah, it's no small Some, sometimes. Feet. It's a lot. You gotta you gotta time your breaks and do all this stuff. And um, I have so much anxiety about performing jazz gigs in particular because because I'm like really acutely aware that I don't know a lot of standards by heart like in the same way that my dad does. Sure. Or like any of of the big time people around here do. So there's always a little bit of anxiety like around any kind of a gig, which has been kind of going away a little bit more as I've been getting older and, and kind of like memorizing stuff. But um, it gets worse when, <laughs> like if it's me and my dad and then we're in a place where there's other people like sure. maybe bringing their horns in or, or just other musicians that, you know, because my dad's always like, hey, you know, here's like John Blagan here's, is here with his clarinet. Like, let's have him like do a couple tunes. Like, you want to call a couple tunes? And he can fucking play whatever. But I'm I'm sitting here. I'm just like, I hope he fucking picks something that I know. Right. And that it, and if I don't know it, then I got to get it up on my phone on my iReal Pro app really quick. And then hope that the changes that are there is what my dad is going to play. Because sometimes that doesn't match up. And it's just like... And it's so it's so funny because I realize that I'm like getting way too in my head, and that most people aren't even gonna notice if I like hit a wrong chord somewhere. 
And if they do, they're not going to give a shit. Right. But like, I give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, and that, I can't let go of that. dude. That's, uh, I think, you know, um, the giving a shit part, uh, is, is what it all comes down to because you want it to be good. And I mean, I, uh, for 33 episodes, I mean, I, I, 545 I you know I was already feeling a little nervous in a little bit of anxiety but yeah, yeah. you know I don't want this to be garbage like you have generously given of your time you know I want it to be good content I want it to be a, a com- conversation that we enjoy so it's it you know all from episode 1 through 34 like it's yeah, co- but yeah. still without fail every single time the hour of arrival nears I feel it like you know, percolating you get, a little you bit. Get kind of, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's yeah. just kind of like, and honestly, I think it's a good, I think it's a check and balance. Like if, if I yeah. didn't care, then the end product would probably be shit, you know? Uh, so I think the anxiety is some form of blessing in disguise. I know. I, I was going to sort of speak to the fact that it's, that's probably, you could be do, you could do this for like 20 years and that's probably still going to happen. Uh-huh. Like, like to some degree, yeah. because each, show is an opportunity for something new and awesome to happen or or it could be like a train wreck and you just yeah. it's just like the not knowing yeah that's yeah. like where which is like what anxiety is but yeah I, I think you're right though in in that it's it's a good like i think anxiety in general is is just kind of your brain's way of of like trying to protect itself right from something yeah uh, for sure so and just the performative nature of creating any kind of I guess I'll just use the word content, but whether that's like performing a gig somewhere or you're recording a song or you're live streaming a podcast, or maybe you're playing a video game on Twitch, you know, there's there's always going to like, if somebody is watching or they're going to be listening or watching later, then, then yeah, that's, that's a kind of, that's a kind of stress that some people just buckle under. So your dad has this like elite level, talent at the piano he's a badass composer he he has perfect pitch and can sing yeah and uh has a good feel for a room i mean what a what a skill set i mean it's really it's remarkable how like sometimes if i go out somewhere and it's just crazy because I have I have like this rubric now for like what is a good what's what is a professional what does a professional performance look like whether that's a, a jazz gig or or it's like even one of my favorite bands or something there I have like this set of rules that's of that's kind of like subconscious now because I've seen my dad like do it right and really 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 care sometimes way too much about about, right. about doing something right to where it's like. How, f- how funny know. to have the most amazing measuring stick that most people probably have little awareness of in terms yeah, of big dude. picture. And then to have that measuring stick be your dad, like what a trip, dude, it is. And, and most people are like, that must be so awesome that, that you're, and it is awesome, but it's also complicated. I, it could probably can also be too much. Sometimes it's, it's extreme. It's, it's complex because especially just like, if I'm like anytime me and him play a gig together, I, I get anxiety about well, it. So if, if you didn't have plans to go out of town this weekend, would you happily accept the gig invite for Friday or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would. I always try to make a point to do it if I can, because, um, 
I like to him. It's it's just it's to him. It's just getting the job done, right? Um, but I also know that on some kind of a deeper level, like I'm the one out of the three of us kids who not only is like nearby and kind of in close proximity, but I kind of took the music thing and, and I was just going to say, are there brother and sister musical at all? They are, but, but they don't do it like for, for work. And well, also like how, you know, how long will this opportunity be around? I that's mean, why I try to take every opportunity that I can. Cause I know that it means something to me that I, that I get to go up there and, and just totally like shred the stage with him like that. And, and so he, when he asks you to gig, it is for guitar. So you'd be playing jazz guitar or oh, bass ba- oh, upright. Oh, 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 Always, yeah. Oh, uh, well, no, like more, more recently it's been like electric bass, but the last okay. gig that we played together at, um, it's a place called Upcycle Piano Works, which is a which is a piano shop. It's it's really cool. It's off of Main Street. It's like right in between Main and a uh, Walnut. Right, it's like Main and 39th, okay. pretty much. If you know where the Harlings upstairs used to be, it's like yeah. it's like right next to that. Okay, did so, did Harlings? I think finally closed. Closed, yeah. I mean, the floor in there was suspect for a while, and then I don't know. Did you ever enter it or exit it? via the back like that escape like eight eight or ten years ago ladder kind of situation not escape but a staircase that's kind of attached to a roof it's kind of attached to the building it was was a little sketchy yeah (laughs) yeah for sure but um fun fun joint though at at that but uh playing at that gig he asked me to bring my upright because that was sort of a special thing where i mean first of all it's in a piano shop so people that came to that came to hear jazz. It's like, and the, and we had the restless spirits guys like catering. So there was like an open bar and stuff, but nice point is it was more like the people are coming there to hear us. And yeah. That was a trio gig. So that was a gig that I went into and my dad's such a pro. He had, he had like the sets all written out and he had it all laid out he's like oh we'll probably do this or we might cut this tune um and i just appreciate that a lot because i'm kind of the type of person that i, I want to know as much as possible about well that's what I'm gonna that was my do. next question if he yeah. asks you to gig is there any of that uh you know you mentioned so and so with the clarinet and yeah you know, yeah yeah but are, do you feel like he's he's not gonna throw me any curveball. Like I got this kind it's, of. It's so funny because like sometimes he does. Oh wow! Sometimes he does. Will, he know he's doing it. I think he does on some level, but it's kind of just like a because he's obviously had to go through a lot of shit like that, and he probably looks at it like as some kind of a rite of Char- passage, character where, building. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, like I would never like to, like to him. It's like I would never like let my son make an idiot out of himself. But also, if he's if he's gonna do this, if he wants to, and maybe he doesn't want to, but but like if if you're gonna do that, then you need to understand that like sometimes stuff comes up, and then you have to right kind of figure out what to do with it. So like actually, this last gig that I'm talking about is a really good example because he had all of this stuff planned out, and um, there's like a dude who kind of like hosts. And he gets up there and he like introduced like, oh, this, oh yeah. And then t- tonight we're going to have like the Michael Pagan trio and stuff. But, but he'll do like a couple of tunes himself with me and the drummer, like as his backing band. It sounds just like a stand up show. 
Yeah, you got yeah. The host and yeah, then the exactly. opener and then maybe a middle person and then the you know yeah. the headliner. Yeah. So so it was just so this guy. His name is Tim Whitner. Okay. Tim Whitmer, uh, really 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 good pianist. Um, he got up and he called a tune. He we did two tunes and one of them was easy, but it was in a key that I didn't. I had to like transpose in my head as I was playing it. And then another tune that he called, I didn't. I had no idea what it even was, so I had to like type it in frantically on my iReal Pro app and get the chords up. And then he started playing it. And sometimes when jazz pianists start playing a tune, they'll start like at the last eight bars of the last section, so they don't start like off the you top. You have to you have to figure out where they're starting. And then I'm looking at that and I'm realizing, oh, I don't have the I I have the right chords, but it's not the right key at all and then i'm having a so that's that's the kind of stuff that i'm just like i'm in like a world of anxiety yeah i mean (laughs) i feel anxious hearing it because yeah i don't know for how many years uh i would do this uh, before i had you know at least the wherewithal to have a mini conversation in my brain but whenever whenever something comes up like that and it's right now, and it's on the spot, and it depends on you to... Ex- so you say, frantically typing into my phone. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, you, if you mistype a num- you know, a letter or, or hit the wrong... Open the wrong thing, it, then it sort of... Oh, dude. I mean, the, the worst is, like, when somebody calls a tune, and you're typing it in, and nothing's coming up. Mm, and, no signal? Uh, yeah, or, or just... Nothing exists on it. it yeah, or, or you're misspelling something, yes, or you're yeah. mishearing the person. But the point is he's doing this and this is a gig that like there's, there's multiple cameras on us and they're like live streaming it on Facebook and other places and stuff. So people are watching in you person. You can't be there going, Fuck. but also, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, that's, uh, I'm like, as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm trying to kind of take those. I'm trying to like roll with that stuff a little bit better because at the end of the day, it's, it's just music, right? There's really no reason to freak out. But you want it to be good. I'm just the freaking bass player for Christ. I mean, like, um, so I don't know, but yeah, I mean, that's stuff like that happens yeah. as much as you prepare. And for my dad to like have all of that stuff figured it out, like as as much as possible, that's just really professional preparation. Where right, like other guys, they just go up and like I don't think that. Let's take like Rod Fleeman, for example, amazing jazz guitarist around this area. I mean, the guy is like truly like one of the best in the city, like at guitar. I don't think he like has to compile a list of what he's going to play. Like he might like, depending on the venue, he might have a certain general sense of like, okay, this, this is like more of like a dive bar so I can play like more upbeat stuff or like, you know, he might kind of like do that, but he's, he's not like, okay, I'm going to play autumn leaves and then I'm going to do rain dolphin street. And then I'm going to do yada, yada, yada. You know, he just goes and it's just kind of like whatever, actually me and dad were playing with Rod Fleeman on, on one very strange gig. Um, it was a gig at the B&B theaters in Power and Light District. They had some kind of a Harry Potter thing, some event. I don't know if some movie was about to come out that's that's kind of in that series or whatever. Um, but they needed a band that was going to specifically play like the soundtrack to Harry Potter okay. stuff. So my dad like 
just went all in and like figured out like all he like found charts to all this stuff and like got like a whole thing together and uh rod was on one of those gigs we did two gigs one of them was with the drummer and the other one was with rod at some point rod just decided he wanted to like just play some random tune that wasn't like a harry potter thing but we had just played like some kind of a blues ish thing and he starts playing this tune and i'm like shit i'm it's it's absolutely wild how you're just supposed to know man you're just supposed to like know what the chords are and know this stuff and like nobody i i don't know so i i struggle with that a lot and i feel like really really insecure like when i when i think about performing jazz in general because stuff like that happens all the time i mean so did you guys pull it off yeah yeah did did anybody was anybody like that's not harry potter no, just totally no, unnoticed dude. and fine. Were, most most people are just like in a better mood if there's music at all. Yeah, doesn't even have to be like the most amazing thing ever. No, especially because we were as playing long as it's bar, not dude. shitty. Yeah, people are. I mean, so it was noisy. It's a right. bar. People are like Helpful. socializing yeah. and talking to each other. Like if there's music in the background, that helps. And it, it, yeah, the person in charge of like planning the event wants to. It has to be really good, but. Uh, yeah, so that, that happened and we did okay. Um, I think Rod knew that I didn't know the song. (laughs) So he was like, like, I'm, I'm sitting like stage left and my dad is in the middle and he's over here and he's, he can tell that I'm not that like, I'm sort of not familiar with it. I think maybe I played this song before, but couldn't remember it. So he's like, he like turns and he's like, yeah, D flat major seven. And we go back to F and he's, he's like kind of like t- discreetly like telling me what the chords are to stuff. Cut sort of off mic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then eventually I figured it out, but that's just like, I, I don't know. So I don't know what's going through his head. Like when he does that, I wonder if he's like, oh yeah, he probably doesn't know this yeah. song. Maybe Cause he's, he's like, maybe, maybe jazz like really isn't his thing or, or I don't know if he's thinking that or if he's thinking like, who the f- fuck is this guy right. this guy doesn't even know how to play uh such well, and such where i go uh back to the future are you familiar? yeah yeah so yeah dude when he gets on stage to play johnny be good mm-hmm. and he says something to the band that takes like two seconds for him to say this is in three four uh something something try to keep up with the changes and the born and just yeah like you know that many, many uh uh situations that i could envision where like somebody could be like wait what yeah and, and then just go he's he's already going dude i know and it's it's like can you can you give me a second so like <laughs> or can i can i just like just get the thing up on my right. phone so that i don't like right so i don't make us all look bad right for, you know um so what uh do you have you know so they obviously there there is uh tons of music in varying forms in your childhood home, but do you, are there any acquisitions or purchases record wise uh, or song wise that, that you kind of made the first things that you obtained on your own and were into? Yeah. Yeah. I think about this all the time, man. I'm like a super sentimental person by okay. nature. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just remembered, I think the first album that I wanted to like seek out and get on my own because um, we would go to the front range community college and just like rent CDs. We would just like check them out and then have to like take them back. Sure. Uh, 
being in like first and second grade, people were talking a lot about uh, like Blink-182 and about Linkin Park and stuff like that. But this Blink-182 album, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, was like the first one that I got that I just was like, I want to, I think it like made me want to play guitar. Okay. Because I'm trying to... I I'm not I might be wrong on this, but I think maybe there's a, a Blink 182 song that is uh like kind of the the rink uh song for the Avalanche who just won the Stanley Cup oh. uh, this past summer. Um, I'm not a hockey guy really. Right. No, but it, but it came up um and I want to say anyway, it's like it uh, struck me in that so I was like, God, I guess they they have been around for a time. Yeah. But so yeah, you for you, a minute, dude. You, you think you want to get this record of theirs, and it may, maybe it's the one that made you want to play guitar. I don't know if it. I mean, it definitely made me want to play guitar, but I don't think that it like because I'm not super super into like pop punk, but I liked it because other people at school were talking about it. Um, I liked hearing the guitar sounds just like a distorted guitar power chord was something that I hadn't really heard before. Right. And it just kind of filled my nine-year-old brain up with like this sense of ecstasy. That's like, Oh, I, I want to listen to this again and again and again and again. And Tom's voice on like all, all the songs that Tom sang on, it was just so catchy, man. It was, it just did everything that like pop punk is supposed to do. They had to like get you different. They had it. more than one vocalist. That, yeah, because do cause the lead. Like, yeah, because Tom will like sing songs, and then their bass player Mark Hoppus sings. It's a pretty even split of like Tom doing vocals on songs, and then Mark doing vocals on the other songs. Are they pretty wildly different? Yeah, I mean, their voices are very different from each other. Okay, so it it works really well. Nice. And so that that was like, I have kind of a funny backstory to that album too. It's there's a lot of bad words on it, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that isn't appropriate for a nine year old to listen to. Well, um, when I first got it though, it was it was from the, it was like from a community college, so they had just like all edited stuff. Um, the Walmart version. Yeah, no, yeah, no, basically. Yeah. Well, it's funny because we actually did go to not Walmart, but like Best Buy or something, and my mom was like you're like renting this CD all the time. I'm sick of like going back and like you'd having to check it back out and us being late on returning it. So why don't I just like buy it for you? Um, she knew there were like bad words in it, sure. but I, I told her like, well, you know, they, they like bleep out the bad words and stuff. I just thought that's all, that's how all music was. Right. <laughs> it didn't occur to me that like they like edited that after the fact. So she bought me the album and it was like the uncut one. Nice. And then we were like listening to it together like on on like the boombox in the kitchen and it gets to the like the, it gets to the f bombs and he's I was like oh my god my mom thinks that I like pulled a fast one on her cuz he's like dropping all these f bombs now and she was like pissed off was she she was mad i don't think she was mad at me she was just like oh my god i'm like i'm like fucking with my kid's head right now right i'm a shitty mom <laughs> funny so that was yeah that that would be one and then uh, here in Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park for the first time was kind of the CD that made me fall in love with like a heavy guitar sound. Sure, that, that kind of set the stage for like, e- like even right now. Yeah, I'll go back and listen to it. What? Uh, how did? How did you hear it for the first time? 
Did Buddy have it? Or? I want to. Yeah, I want to say it was really popular, not just like where I went to school, but but we lived in a cul-de-sac. Okay. And there, there were kids. We had friends across the street. There was this one kid. He was like my sister's age. My sister's two years older than me. And then there was another kid like in between houses, and he was like one year older than me. So it was like hanging out with. Those like those are the closest thing that I ever had to like older brothers. Sure. So I learned a lot of music and just a lot of other pop culture stuff. Like, yeah. Through hanging out with them and definitely like Lincoln Park, just being on the boombox in one of their garages nice. was like, oh, dude, what is this? This is so tight. You know. That's cool. Uh, so Blink One Eighty Two, Lincoln Park. Anybody else in that same time frame ish? So those those were like the first big ones. Um. And and then I just I started paying attention to like what was on the radio sure a lot so, um, system of a down came into the fold at some point I remember this this one kid who was not the kid that was two years older than me but one year older he was like you guys I found this new band they're better than like all that's of it. so exciting and then, he, and then we listened to Chop Suey or something for the first time and I was like what the fuck is this. It's like, mom, we got to go to Best Buy. It's got, no, yeah, it was, it was like one of those things. And then my parents ended up like, my parents still like that stuff. Cause nice. they like, they just remember it like making us happy, but they, they remember it fondly too. That's which cool. Is, which is like kind of a funny, like after effect, but yeah, system of a down, um, fucking bands like trapped <laughs> like okay. just some stuff that's like bad now, but I also discovered some really good stuff. Like Chevelle was a band that dude just i think uh the red being on the radio and like send the pain below and songs like that the sound of the guitars like i love i love pete's voice i've he's always been like one of my favorite singers but just it was just taking a guitar and like tuning it to drop b and just like chugging on stuff before i even knew that because i knew how to play guitar but i had no concept that like you you could like tune the strings different right so i was but i knew i had perfect pitch too so i could tell what the notes are and i was like trying to play these songs in standard tuning oh funny and and just like like how do they get it to sound like that i just like didn't get it (laughs) which was a whole that was a whole nother thing but yeah man um i don't know so i have a so i have a big background in what a lot of people would just call like radio butt rock stuff. Okay. <laughs> but well, I want to get into your list, but uh, I want to take a quick break, use the restroom, check on dogs. Um, can I, do you need anything? While no, we... I'm, I'm good, okay. man. I'll be I'm good. All right. Okay. Um, so perfect transition. Uh, you know, it's, sometimes people will just give me one record. Sometimes people give me a huge list, but if it's more than one, I typically like to go chrono- chronologically and yeah, release. Yeah, yeah. So this type of thinking could do us in Chevelle, 2004. Um, they've been, what year were you born? 91. 90. Okay. So they've been around since 95. Yeah. Uh, I think this is record three out of nine for them. Yes. And was this the one that put them on your radar, or did you know of their uh, first two before this one? Or I I knew of the one before, which was Wonder What's Next. That was the one that, like, I'm trying to remember the first Chevelle song I ever heard. I think it was Send the Pain Below. Okay. So that was that was, like, the record that launched them into like huge success 
Uh, a lot of people don't even know about their their first record, Point Number One, because they were on like a super small, like a Christian label. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought they were a Christian band because they were on this label, and they like weren't at all. I feel like I did see, um, I think it was them, where you know just a couple of quotes from reviews, and and one of the reviews was a was a Christian publication. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's curious, but yeah, so. So, um, so I knew who they were, but this type of thinking had the clincher on it. The opener. Uh, uh, and immediately I'm like, dude, sounds like Maynard. Yeah. I they, mean, get, they get that so much. I they saw, they I, still get it. I, I saw that and I, it made me feel a little silly for thinking that, but it's kind of unavoidable. Yeah. I mean, definitely Pete's voice kind of has like kind of eat like he gets like really aggressive like there's like a lot of screaming and like a lot of yelling and stuff especially on that record but he definitely still has like this kind of kind of like delicate yes for sure that's very reminiscent of of most like all tool stuff yeah. especially tools like later stuff so right um but no something about that album um the way that the guitars sound and are produced uh, the fact that they went, they're already like a band that like tuned everything in drop B, which is, is does drop B mean the same thing as B flat? No. Okay. So they went, they went a whole, they went a half step lower Okay. for, for this type of thinking. And to most people don't, it's not really like a big deal to most people, but for me, it's like, I, I can tell what key something is in right when I listen to it, even like when I was like a young child and stuff. So I knew like, Oh, dude, they went even lower, like on this one. <laughs> um, and just hearing that and songs like Vitamin R, uh, Still Running, you had just like so the whole album is just like it just captured it. It was just like everything I wanted to hear, everything I didn't even know that I wanted to hear in music, right? Like all coming together in this thing. You don't know what you don't know, exactly. And I just like became like obsessed nice. i would listen to this record so freaking much and then did you go did you get a copy of it on cd or yeah okay yeah i probably bought i've probably bought it like maybe three or four times nice. over the course of my life and stuff and um had it on my uh it wasn't an ipod it was like a oh man i can't even remember what it's called some kind of MP3 player that I sure. it's it's escaping me what it what it was. I remember there being like a Zune. Is it yes. like called a Zune? Yes. Yeah. 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 Like Z Z U N E. I right? think you're right. I had, I had yeah. one of those, and um, yeah, dude. But at a certain point in 2000, I guess it was 2004. So like right when this album came out, my my parents basically dropped the bomb on us. They're like, hey, we're we're moving to Kansas City. We're moving away from Colorado. And that sucked so bad. Did it? That was so just like depressing, like moving away from all your friends and like. So you're like it, 13? Yeah. It like it's, I, I think moving when you're, I think moving anywhere when you're 13 is, is probably pretty hard because we actually moved out of like a duplex into a house, like across school districts. So that was hard. And now we're having to move like all the way over here. So I, I don't know that, that was, that was like a really hard time, just a really hard transition. And I would listen to that album 
and like cling to it for like sure. emotional support. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like my emotional support album. Yeah. <laughs> too. And I kept, yeah, I, st- I still love it, man. I like when I listen to it now, um, whenever I drive to Colorado and back, just doing that drive and putting that record on, it like transports me back to like 17 years ago now. That's amazing. Of, of just, yeah. So, the power of music. Yeah. That's, um, that's just a big, big essence of like my coming into being a teenager sure. and, and just dealing yeah. with a lot of that kind of stuff, man. That's one of those records that, that like was there um, and still holds up. So my first note was about the, the you know, uh, eventually I felt silly writing it down, but the, the hearing the tool sound. Yeah. But yeah. my second note and you, it was the very first thing you touched on a uh, very clean and crisp production and a yeah. very likable tone. Yep. Um, which, you know, when I was, I don't know, your age, maybe a little older. Uh, I don't know that I would have had an ear for that. I would have either been, uh, this, uh, is for me or it's not. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think about it on any level other than that, but I mean, yeah. there's something really admirable for my personal taste when there is uh, a very clean, uh, tone and and and, and uh, you know it's it's yeah. just crisp and it's got it 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 feels like they gave a shit, right? Yes. And when they yes. went into like it's one thing to write a song, it's another thing to write a song and be part of a band and you know whether he wrote the song or you wrote the song, but you're gonna yeah you're gonna write this you're gonna flesh this out together and here's the end product. Uh, it's another thing to like go in the studio and press record and be like do it. Okay, we put it. We put the bone, the meat and potatoes down, but let's really find where we want this to be. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that's. Um, I want God. I want to say it was uh, Michael Basket was the producer. I think you're right for, for that one, Michael Elvis Basket. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's. I mean, I. It, Basically, I think to me, what you're describing is just the importance of of having a person who is like not in the band who can like really look at it objectively and, and figure out like what a certain song needs or, or what kind of a tone we should be going for. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're in a band and I mean, in their case, like Pete is the, he's the singer and the guitarist mm-hmm. and they don't have another guitarist even he's so like, there's, there's gotta be some kind of tunnel vision going on there that it's, like I'm sure they made a lot of the production calls, but having an actual producer, like you, you really need that. Well, I and I think lots of people have gone the route of having a band member yeah. be the person, and then like uh, maybe everybody winds up liking the end product anyway. But you never know. You're taking a gamble. Yeah, you never way. know what direction it could have gone or might have gone if you would have had. A person that's you know, yeah, one step removed from the creation process, right? And it's it's scary on the other hand of it too, because you you could work with a dude for the first time and he could totally he could mess your shit up, you mm-hmm. know? like you you really don't know. Even if even if he has like a bunch of accolades, he or she, right? Um, you you just don't know if it's going to work well with you, and so. I guess what I if, guess making a record is taking a risk either like no right. matter how you slice it. Right, but, but I mean 
what a what a funny sort of gamble to put yourself in uh, because you could have all the confidence in the world in okay this is this is the uh, the direction and this is the sound and this is you know and then you hand it off and somebody gives you feedback or makes suggestions and and then maybe you wind up questioning what you were just yeah. so confident about and so which way yeah. do you, which way do you lean yeah or or potentially worse right you think well fuck this person doesn't know, you know like <laughs> this dude doesn't know what the fuck he's talking yeah about. yeah exactly so uh they uh so uh besides tool helmet and the cure listed as primary influences yes um i i think i can see the cure uh in a kind of a long shot kind yeah. of way but I'm, I'm not really familiar with helmet at all are they somebody that you've been into well when you say helmet and the cure and there's there's kind of um this kind of goes back to like sort of like two aspects of their music they can be super like heavy and kind of cr- like auditorily like crushing but then they have parts that are really like like delicate there's a certain delicacy to it i think helmet is like the heavy part and the cure would be like okay kind of the more of like the softer side yeah to it uh, uh helmets helmets kind of like tool they i don't know a lot of their stuff but they're one of those bands that like are some people might call them like a tool ripoff like kind of in the same way that chevelle is but i'm not hmm. super familiar with them i the only thing i could tell you is that i have at one point uh been like uh, oh there's they have a a fan a fan base let's yeah. like no they're they're not small potatoes man right. they're they're a big band um yeah the cure is an interesting one i haven't really i mean i i guess they'd maybe like lyrically cuz Pete's lyrics are pretty pretty out there yeah sometimes. i also um you know the teeniest tiniest bit of tone but also i think there's maybe like an emotional piece yeah that I we I had somebody uh, do a Cure record and uh, I mean they're much broader, yeah. you know, than yeah. of a scope in their discography and their history than I would have um, suspected yeah. prior. But uh, still running, I think kicks off with a clip from Sam Kennison. Yes, which I don't know if you're familiar. Um, but he was like super duper wild man pioneer in the stand up world in the early to mid eighties. And his whole thing, uh, was like screaming, like yelling. Yeah. At people. And like, but, it, but it was funny and people dug it and it really, you know, pushed the needle for, for stand up, uh, and just really fascinating for, uh, somebody that you know wants to go to these places in terms of the the way stuff sounds and yeah. the vocals and and, and a, kind of an, an extreme and to throw him in their fits perfectly right, right at the beginning of that song man <clears throat> yeah yeah that's crazy I, I didn't know that that's what that was actually. Um, so man it's you know in a in a utopian view you would love for uh anybody that's ever really taken the plunge into the world of music to just come out the other side being successful and wealthy but yeah apparently uh six million dollars in album sales up at, at you know at the time of this one 
came out or maybe maybe shortly after it was out uh but they apparently hadn't been paid at all they got which unfortunately this is not uncommon i guess but they were one of those bands that that got screwed yeah they signed a bad contract with epic yeah. i think dude they still talk about it these days i mean the album that they just came out with i think might like that their drummer sam was doing some interviews where he was like i there there might be another album after this but we don't know because this is like this is like that was like the last one and he still talks about like dude we sold this many albums and we have this much money yeah and it's it's just, i mean uh, plenty of times i've looked up and it's like uh you know, um, they whoever a rapper, a band, whoever it is, signs like a, a ten year deal. Yeah, and <clears throat> year nine, uh, they're like, "Hey, like, I really this next record I want to put out. I want to be. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Yeah. So can we just call it good? And it, most of the time, it seems like they're like, "No, no, you have to. Yeah, we're yeah, signed up for this. Yeah, and it's just like, man, it sucks. So it? many people that." either didn't have the wherewithal to you know have something looked at by a lawyer or didn't have the resources or whatever the case may be because i mean we all are in a position where we want to do a thing and you're standing in the way you're the one that can make it happen yeah so if you tell me i need to sign this piece of paper right here of course i'm gonna sign it because we're gonna make a record deal yeah how amazing I mean, the the funding you, you need all of that backing, man. That's yeah. that's just the way that it was. I mean, it's still like a lot like that today, even though things are things are getting a little bit more independent, which is good. But it's but there's there's also a kind of a complication of now there is just so 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 much music. Right. It's just super saturated. But anyway, um, yeah. It's one one thing that I think is kind of funny is just the whole idea that like these bands get totally screwed on these these record deals like sometimes they're like 360 deals where like they they really like get nothing at the end of the day and um it's i just think to um like there's certain some sometimes these bands like make songs about how shitty the music industry is right like i think the song wonder what's next is kind of like an indictment of like it's it's base if you read the lyrics it's basically Pete saying like are you fucking kidding me right. what's what's next dude? yeah well I mean and so you see something like this record almost selling a hundred thousand copies in its first week yeah and you I mean as completely uninformed person you go well where's all the money going yeah I mean if it's not going to them there's only so many places it can be going so yeah. Um, and then you, you know, I've seen things where, uh, s similar kind of deal, somebody's nearing the end and, uh, they, they've learned since they signed that, uh, the 14% yeah. that they're getting is, is pretty shitty. And it's like, how would you ever know? Yeah. Like, you know, obviously it doesn't take a mathematician to be like, well, 14% sounds like garbage. Um, yeah, but I mean, the way that it's all... It's all about how it's presented to you, yeah, hundred percent. Because these these record labels, like, they it's it's tricky, man. They so, they know what they're doing, but they they like offer they probably offer other stuff. Like, I I don't know. I just feel like it has to be in the way that it's presented to you. Yeah, you know that's how they're able to like to to like con these bands basically into these super shitty deals. So, and this is maybe. Um, 
this is maybe one of the most bitter pills to swallow in, 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 in just a very brief reading about this, but uh, there was like very palpable pressure from the label for this record to outsell its previous one. Yeah. And it was like, in, in no uncertain words, it was like, get in there and make a record. And so, and so they went into the studio with nothing. Yeah. And it took them five months to write. I think they were supposed to write it in four, but they got, they got it done in five. And yeah, I can just imagine being like, this isn't what we signed up for. This wasn't how the, we, we yeah, should, we should be the ones saying, Hey, we've got a record for you. Are you ready to book us time and fly us out and have a person and the meals taken care of? Yeah. But instead it's like, stuff. fuck, we got to go in there and do this thing. And yeah, I mean, it's, 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 kind of a wonder that a decent record you know, came out of you know dude i this this reminds me of um Michigan, one of my favorite bands ever i'm actually going to see them on friday in st paul nice but they were in a really bad record deal with i don't i don't know who the label was but they were so sick of it that they were like well we have one more album that we have to do to fulfill our contract and then we can not renew it and say peace out whatever label it was um and they just they just said let's fuck it dude let's let's just make let's just make some bullshit right hey, let's hey, make something piece of dog shit let's Here make something go. that we don't even have to work on at all and they started doing it and that that album turned into catch 33 which yep. is one of their best fucking albums <laughs> dude i don't I know mean, if you're familiar but that's that's like an album that's basically an entire song oh wow kind of like chopped up into little vignettes or something yeah i mean if, if you just press play it sounds like an entire song wow that's like 40 like 50 minutes long i mean or whatever something good came out of it. it it ended up being and there were some really it was pretty groundbreaking too because their drummer has been like one of the forefront people in in like drum programming software okay like he worked with a company called tune track i think they were called tune track at that time um to make a plugin called drum kit from hell that i think devin townsend was the first guy to to use it and program his his own drums on the ziltoid album and then um they used it for catch 33 so like their their drummer thomas like he's using this this software that he helped develop, but he didn't play any, he didn't play any of the parts himself. So Wild. they were able to program all this stuff and then record guitars over it. And then, uh, yeah, but I, it's, it's funny because in interviews he talks about, dude, we are so sick of this freaking label. They just want one more album. We're just going to do the most absolute throwaway bullshit record ever. And they started working on it and surprise. It's like, they cannot suck even if they try, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it really so so that's like that's that's funny in itself but it really speaks to the larger issue yeah that that like these bands even a band like Meshuga and bands like chevelle and seven dust is one could be seven dust struggled so freaking much i mean they have like a whole album that's basically like fuck you to their record label <laughs> that the record label then put out right that's funny it's crazy um so having started with that tool feeling from track one, uh, I didn't realize it until I came across this quote, but, um, you know, I was still like pretty 
embedded in uh, classic rock land. When, yeah, yeah, when yeah. Tool put out um, what was their first record called? The Opiate EP. Yeah. Uh, no, the one that had so. Oh, Undertow. Undertow. Yeah. And it was like, I have never in my wildest dreams envisioned this sound. Yeah. Like holy smokes. Yeah. Um, and, and the video, I mean, MTV was still, you know, the video was wild Weird. for the time. I mean, still is really wild. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I, I went out and bought that record on cassette, like yeah. just, this is crazy. And I didn't, um, I don't know if I didn't make the effort to get into the whole thing or, uh, if I tried and it didn't work, but either way, tool kind of got put on the back burner and, and then it was years later before I had to listen to any of their other stuff. And it's like, they've, they, they went, um, they went to a place that's like, you know, impeccable and very respectful and very admirable. Obviously they cultivated a major, major following, Yeah, but nothing, I don't think that they have written since and nothing they will ever write will, will have the profound impact on me that, that sober did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just, and so I came across this quote, and it's, I don't have, it's just it's interesting. I don't have a dog in the race. Yeah, yeah. But this dude, Johnny Loftus from All Music, said, uh, they call, he called the record flatly mixed, which huh. I didn't, I didn't find. When I saw the quote, it was early in my listen. And then by the end of the record, I was like, I don't think, I don't think I agree with that statement. But flatly mixed, lost in depression, and obsessed with rewriting sober for a new generation of uh, lank-haired misunderstoods. And I was like, yikes. That is a, that's a little harsher. The wait, is, so is, is that about... Um, it's about the whole record. Oh, about Undertow? No, about... Or uh, about the Chevelle type, record. This type of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, And I will say, I will say, the only part I agree with is that when I do hear... Uh, the tool similarities in these tracks, the the it does take me to the sound of the vocals in Sober. Yeah, I mean, I don't yeah, big time. think that there was any intention on that part, but uh, it there is kind of a, a an almost visible path. It's it, it's an extremely obvious, very clear influence, right? I think, and they, I I can't imagine that they they get it all the time. They I don't I don't think they're like if you talk to Pete or Sam, like they they wouldn't be like, "What are you talking?" Yeah, about? no, I mean, no, they they get it, man. Uh, I found a little bit of irony in uh, "Panic Prone" had almost like a calming effect, yeah, to it, which is uh, fascinating. Yeah, and then a man back on the t- the tone stays clean and remarkable across the whole record, uh, and really uh, kind of a wild card to have uh, bend the bracket as your closer with like this acoustic feel to it yeah like just kind of throw the whole thing away and here's how we're gonna end so for the first i don't i i don't think the first album had a acoustic outro but wonder what's next has an acoustic outro okay and then this type of thinking so i think that was just kind of a thing and then i guess it only lasted for two albums because everything after that is like on venus sarah the last song is not an acoustic track so well, but yeah, it's just it's it just kind of it's nice. I think it's nice. I do too. I think it's a really good closer. It's Me too. Re- it's really depressing. Um, the whole album is like, like I don't think what the lyrical content is about is necessarily talking about depression and stuff, but it's definitely not a happy album. Yeah, you know, 
Um, but I mean, it that doesn't take away from its ability to provide joy for the listener. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, uh, it's remarkable for sure. Um, so two years later, 2006, 10,000 days, um, which, uh, was this, did they, have they twice had a 10 year gap between records? No, no, because once? we had lateralis in 2001. Okay. And then anima was 96. So 96, 2001, then 2006. Okay. And then after that? That was the big thirteen year gap. Okay, that, that's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. Um, but you know, for 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 this record, I mean, again, going back to Undertow, and like this, wow, kind of holy. I didn't know that existed in the world to to two thousand six. Yeah, that they have become a thing. They are kind of a, a massive entity in terms of they've transcended all of the things that that brought them so much critical acclaim like on their on on the EP and then on Undertow. Now then you have Anima and that's already like a huge like they're they're doing a whole bunch of new stuff there. Which uh I had a dude who picked a couple tool records. One was 10,000 days, one was and I think I think the pronunciation is Anima. Yeah, I'm, which, I'm probably saying no, it. no, no. Which is, is there's, and I, I bring it up because there's he does or they do a lot of very clever uh, kind of small things, and that title is a, a combination of anima, which is Carl Jung uh, psychology uh, kind of term or idea for the soul. Yeah, and then uh, enema. The cleanser for your back door. I mean, you listen to the title track of the song. Yeah. It's like, you know. Uh, anyway. See you down in Arizona Bay. Right. <laughs> uh, so just when somebody, especially uh, when it comes to words and wordsmithing and crap, like that's my wheelhouse for being a complete dork. Uh, so That's when, cool. So when somebody takes two very... Uh, polar opposite sorts of concepts and kind of makes their own idea slash word out of them. And, and yeah. by the way, I'm going to call my record this. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, so how did tool land in your lap? It's really funny. I always think back to this as kind of like the kind of like the time that like the floodgates began to, sort of open up as as far as me getting into like more progressive and kind of like zany crazy stuff just stuff that like you wouldn't hear like on the radio right. which i mean tool is like gets a lot of radio playing stuff but they're they're one of those bands that or they are the band really that is i mean they're they're still like winning grammys and stuff but they also have like their last album there's not a song on there that's like less than 10 minutes they're like all double digit super super involved crazy songs so and and pretty calculated they've got a calculated feel yeah it's like yeah they're jamming but it's not directionless right yeah it's all smart i mean going back to both your parents being and getting doctors from cornell is smart people shit they right? they got yeah they they're that's some big brain shit right yeah there. yeah so, so i got i remember i was in like target yeah, I was in Target with my sister, and I wanted to get some CDs. 
And I wanted to get, I was really only interested in stuff that sounded like what I was already listening to. Like I wanted to get more stuff that sounded like System of a Down or more stuff that sounded like Chevelle. I just wanted that super polished radio rock, heavy guitar kind of a sound. I was like, give me, like, let me hear some bands like that. I knew about Three Days Grace. They were one of the bands that I kind of was into at the same time that I was like getting into music in general. So they had an album that just came out. It's called a one X and I think like my mom or somebody was like, Oh, okay. You can get another album too or whatever. So I got that one. And then I knew somehow I knew from my sister that like tool was like a big band and I always heard of them, but I didn't, hadn't taken the plunge. Yeah. I had, I didn't know. So I was like, Oh, well they just came out with a new album too. I think I'm going to get that. And so I was listening to the Three Days Grace album, and I was like, yeah, this is cool. It's like exactly what I want. Dude, when I put on 10,000 Days and they started playing Vicarious, and I, I'm like looking at the track list, and like half of it's like shit that I can't even pronounce. And here's here's a track that's like 11 minutes, and then here's another one that's like 11 minutes. And just, I was like, what? It's And so I started listening to Vicarious, and I like, did, I like didn't take to it at first because it was not getting to the point fast Com- enough you complete know it opposite was, yeah. effect for me because i feel like uh with a number of tracks on this record they they put out uh, an intro that has a, a vibe that is a hook for me yeah i'm like yeah. i'm into the and then they go the directions that they want to go yeah and it's yeah. up to me whether i want to stay along stay for the along ride, ride. But, yeah yeah man but anyway go ahead no so i had I, I, I was expecting, I went into it. I shouldn't have expected anything, right. really, but I was just kind of, I think I had this set of expectations because I knew that they had a lot of radio play, like right. on the same stations that yeah. I was like hearing all of these other songs. So I was like, well, Tool was like this huge band. I thought they were going to be like this. And they, they're, I just didn't, I, I just didn't get it. So um, did, you, did you stick with it, or did I you check out for I, a minute? I, I stuck with it, but okay. it was it was a very slow. Like I remember one thing that is is crazy, like the way that Maynard sings in Vicarious, he almost has kind of like a like a whisper mm-hmm. to it, like in the verses and stuff. And so I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to having a strain to like hear like the voice and and having the guitar and the drums be like. Take more up of the sonic real estate in a track, I guess. I like that. I'm so gonna steal it and give yeah. you no credit for it. <laughs> okay. Well, I I don't think I came up with it on right, my own. Right. So. Um, and then just like going through it, and then like listening to the pot and how how he comes out in the gate, like it starts with him singing like in that super high register. I remember like I shit you not, I was like, oh, they have two vocalists. That's cool. No, it's the same fucking guy, man. Wow. I thought like. You're like this well, is I was just like, like oh so who's sing- so who's singing who's singing what this here? is just like, <laughs> like uh, was it Chevelle they got uh, oh Blink One Eighty Two Blink One Eighty Two yeah, yeah Mark Mark and Mark Tom. songs yeah. and Tom songs <laughs> yeah so I I didn't know I I just didn't know but eventually you know started listening to it more even the weird interludes with stuff that uh, which it, there's no shortage of yeah I mean but, but now it's like I look at that all as like essential part like i don't i think there's a lot of stuff that kind of seems like fluff to some people but i'm definitely like an album person 
and 100%. I'm super, super album oriented. I, I think you God should, bless you, you should for listen. being the age that you are and doing and being that dude listen, listen. I mean, there's the track list is the track list for a reason, man. Yeah. There's like and a it's certain in the flow sequence that it's in for a reason. Exactly. The programming of it all. Man. Yeah. So, well, I, I, a record like this, you know, you, you say fluff uh, to me, uh, it's kind of like a galaxy. Like yeah. there's, there's little planets and black holes and solar systems and clusters of things. And it's, yeah. I, I don't know how it's all related, but it, it's all related. It and is and, and it, even if that only means that because it's, it's all part of this record. Yeah. But, and, and this is like, uh, of all the tiny little tidbits I've uncovered through, you know, 34 episodes, this is maybe still my favorite. Uh, but I'm also like a hippie at heart and a, and a dork. <laughs> um, so the album titles thought to refer to the orbital period of Saturn and Maynard is quoted as saying the time in your 28th, 29th year, when you're presented the opportunity to transform from whatever your hangups were before to let the light of knowledge and experience lighten your load and let go of old patterns and embrace a new life. I'm just like, Damn, he, he said that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's uh, an age mark, a year mark that r- recently happened for you. That's, yeah. I, I mean, mean, so uh, does any of that resonate at all? Or It, it does in a big way. I, I didn't know that he said that, though. Um, because as, as you're probably aware, um, that's also around the length of time that his from the time that his mom got sick to when she passed away was about 10,000 days. No way. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I did not. I didn't, I don't even think I knew that she had passed away. Well, she was, I don't know what she was sick with. I don't know if she had Alzheimer's or something. It was bad. Oh, wait a second. Time out. Was she, uh, uh, like Christian science uh, scientist and couldn't pursue, couldn't reach out for medical help? Because of her, or I might be confusing people. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know about that. Okay, but she was sick to the point of like being bedridden or something for, like she got, I don't know what she had, but she got, she got her diagnosis, and then finally passed away, and it was about twenty seven, twenty eight years of being like that. So okay, yeah, that's, that's a. I'm thinking of a different story. That's, that's so long to have a thing. That's where the name 10,000 days comes from. And that's the, the song, uh, wings for Marie part one. And mm-hmm. then part two wings for Marie part two, 10,000 days mm-hmm. that Marie, like Judith Marie in that song, that's his mom's first and middle name. Okay. That's very so, sweet. So the whole thing is like a tribute to his mom. Nice. Basically. And it's also a, a big reason that they, I don't, I don't think they play that song live very oh. much because he just like can't handle it. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I mean, they're, uh, as an outfit and I, I suspect that a good amount of this trickles down to the others from him, but they're, they're pretty private people. Yeah. Like they, he, uh, yeah, here we are, you know, we, we make records and we put them out for you to enjoy and we, we do shows Yep. and that's kind of it. The rest and of it. And they is, go away and yeah. they live their lives. Yeah. Like Maynard does his, his winery thing in Arizona and, uh, Justin, I guess Justin doesn't even, he's not even an American citizen. I think. Oh, for he, real? He like lives in the UK somewhere. So, okay. And then Danny, Danny Carey is like, like around here, you know, that he's, 
like from Payola, Kansas. I think I think I did know that. And yeah, he went to UMKC and studied with Doug Arwater, who like was the drum teacher for the drummer that I was in a band with when I was in high nice. school. Uh, he's a big Jayhawks fan. Rock chalk, four yeah, and, dude, four and I mean, He's he he'll wear his Jayhawks jersey, basketball jersey when nice. he plays and stuff. So, and then Adam Jones has like lived in L.A. probably like okay. his whole life. And Adam Jones is like he he does like I think he worked on the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Oh wow, like, he's he's like a film guy. Cool. He's he like helped design like all of their music videos, and he's made like the the stop motion animation okay. stuff. That's that's like all. Coming. I wonder. If, I wonder if he was involved with uh, the video for Sober. Oh, probably. Yeah, most definitely, dude. Um, man, see, like, I love that uh, when you find out that this world class musician that is in this amazing band that has hundreds of thousands of fans has like a, a side, you know, another hobby. Yeah, it's not music, and it's like that. That's a very uh, human thing to like. Yeah, I'm interested in a little bit of this and a lot of that, and sometimes I dabble over here and. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, you don't have to be, you know, uh, public facing and and uh, put your every thought and experience on social media. But uh, but when I see something, especially for a private individual, I see a little something like that. I'm like, that's that's really cool. I dig that. Yeah, man. So uh, in your 28th, 29th year, did you have some kind of growth or epiphany or um, maybe, maybe it's still... In the- I think it might still be in the works, but I mean, in the, la- in the last kind of like three-ish years, so I guess right, I guess that kind of the timeline is right, um, getting this thing with being able to work at Chapter 2 and just help develop that is a career opportunity that I did not that I always hoped for, but like it's now it's like actually happening. So and, and for those that don't know, chapter two is chapter two recording is a music production studio that I, uh, work out of in Lenexa, Kansas. Uh, it started in Breckenridge, Colorado. And I came to know the owner through his nephew's friend, which was a new, a mutual friend of mine. And then we just kind of got to talk in and then he, he needed another engineer and at the same time wanted to move shop back to the Kansas city area. So, um, I kind of stepped in and I, I just, you know, we got on really good right away and I, I just took it and ran with it. And, and this is the, the, the thing that you are, are still active yeah. in and yeah. g- does generate some sorts of income for you or. Yeah. I mean, it's, nice. it's, it's my only job right, right. now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, my only other note, uh, was, uh, right into has always had this like kind of, I can't quite put a finger on it, but this fascinating curiosity yeah. about it and also great percussion. I mean, That's for, Danny, for, man. for everything that um, a lot of tool songs, you know, the untrained ear we're like, Oh shit, there's, yeah, uh, I don't know. Is that a double bass pet? You know what? But when you, th- when you throw in little intricacies like that, I'm always like, that was nice. It's a cool. It's a really cool one because the whole thing is in eleven, but it gets it gets faster after they kind of get to this bridge section. They kind of picks up the pace. When you say the whole thing is in eleven, what does that mean? One, two, three, four. It's in like eleven eight, I guess. That's the signature. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a signature that 
is often visited by it's not it's kind of messed up but part of the part of the skill with them is they can make something in like 11 8 or, or something crazy but have it sound so natural that you you don't even really right. think about it right. until you, know? you until you maybe sit down and try to do it you do it yourself Play it on drums and yeah like, yeah or, uh, or you're setting your metronome and you're wondering like why it, it, this thing's i just got this yeah. it's broken <laughs> yeah. yeah man so um so that song yeah, it's a good one. Um, so we go from Illinois uh, to L.A. to Raleigh, North Carolina in 2009. The Great Misdirect, Between the Buried and Me. What a fucking band name. My favorite band and my favorite album ever. I this love one? those guys so much. Yes. Nice. Yes, they're, they are the best. Uh, I don't even know where to start with I mean, these guys, man. I mean, like it, it's... So, so Tool kind of, Tool is kind of like the bridge band for me from the stuff that I grew up on, like the their radio rock hit stuff. And then we had Tool, and then Between the Buried Me is kind of where I've ended up. Okay. Because they do not give a shit about, in, in a good way, they don't like, like their songs have structure and stuff. They started out as like a hardcore band, mm-hmm. like kind of a deathcore band, really. Like their their old stuff is like really gritty and heavy, and and just like even the production is like kind of like it's they've gotten the sound of their records has improved like a lot over the years. Well, if they, you go listen to their early stuff, it's very sophomoric. Sounding. They put out a, a remix of this. They have well, they've been putting out remixes of. Um, like all of their old stuff. Okay. Now. Do you now? Do you dive in when when that stuff comes out and compare? Yeah. Take some notes. Yeah. Because because be like the audio engineer in me is like super 100%. fascinated with that stuff, obviously. But <clears throat> with them, it's like I try not to get too wrapped up in the the technicalities of like how. I mean, with with some stuff, it's honestly I prefer the originals over like a lot of the remixes because because my ears are just used to that. No, that's it, it where the relationship begins with, yeah. with the record or yeah. the CD. Yeah, or exactly. How. So it's not, I mean, I, I would never say that they're, that the remixes are bad or anything because they're not, they're like really, really good. It's everything like the, the remix remaster of Alaska is so much more in line with how I think they wanted it to sound from the outset that it's, it's just, it's a really good thing. I'm, I'm definitely for like remixing old stuff. Just well, I to keep it fresh, you know. Um, now, typically, uh, you know, it, it's it's tough. Uh, I mean, it's not tough. It's it's very easy. It's great. Like we should feel blessed that we have access to music the way we have access to, and it's yeah. you're not dependent upon a ride from mom to Best Buy and twenty bucks in your pocket to get a CD. But that does come with the liner notes and the cover art and the credits and a lot of that whether you're i don't think we're aware of it at at least at a young age but that's a part of the relationship with the for an album oriented person dude absolutely so what i usually do is you know you tell me your record and then um sometimes it's hard to find that stuff a, a digital the way it came out yeah because everybody 20th anniversary and here's 56 bonus tracks and so i usually want to look elsewhere to yeah. make sure 
And I actually, I, I actually st- accidentally started with the remix from I think 2019. Yeah. And I'm seeing the credit. I'm like, wait a second. So I, I went back. Um, yeah. But it, but all of that prevented me from a normal uh, sort of box check exercise, which was to take a quick glance at yeah. how, how long is the track listing and what what are we looking at for running time. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do those because I was expecting. Uh, going from Chevelle to Tool to sort of stay on that path. Uh-huh. And I hit play, and track one is like really chill. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. And so I was like, this is a totally unexpected vibe. Um, and it there is no gap between the end of track one and the beginning of track two mm-hmm. and track two wastes zero seconds oh, going right into, right into the throaty uh, straw, yeah. uh, what I would, I mean, I think death metal is a, a generic, uh, I would, I would call it Tommy's heavy vocals kind of leaning more towards a death metal sound. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe like hardcore ish kind of. So, and then, so I was like, Whoa, holy sh-. like you've already thrown me off, t- you know, two or three times. Yeah. Uh, but okay. Now, now I know what this song is about until it changes uh-huh. like two or three significant times. Yeah. And it's like, I, man, I don't know if I, if I need a tracking device to kind of figure out where we're at. Uh, yeah, man. Wild, wild they, they, stuff. They take you for a ride, man. They're, they're really zany. Um, that's actually not, it's, it's my favorite album of theirs. Uh, it's a lot of people's favorite, but it, I don't, I wouldn't call it a good one to start with. If you're trying to get a good sense for, who they really are and how they how how they've evolved like over the years i guess well all of these surprises uh made it so that i was uh, maybe halfway through track three before i noticed that this is a six track record that's an hour long right i was like holy shit yeah yep um but uh the the anatomy of uh, oh yeah co- cover yeah. album yeah uh, Metallica, King Crimson, Pantera, Faith No More, Queen, Pink Floyd, Earth Crisis, Counting Crows, Soundgarden. It's just them having fun, man. That's that's quite the uh, list. I mean, that's not all one down one alley of music. That's you yeah. know, you're kind of. Do you like it? Is it good stuff? Or yeah, yeah. Actually, um, the Counting Crows bit is is really funny. Well, not funny, but it's it's funny that they got their band name from a Counting Crows lyric. No way. And. For them to, I mean, it's it's not. They don't sound like Counting Crows at all. Uh, no, I don't even know. Somebody in the band really likes Counting Crows. And they, <laughs> they just decided, to, like, they heard this. Right. I don't even know what song it is. Um, I think the line is uh, something, 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 something. Fifty thousand feet between the buried and me. Okay. So it's just like a really, it's kind of a chilling, like, like to me, like what it means is is just kind of an indictment, like of our own mortality i guess uh you know what i mean huge yeah huge like uh you know we have all of these other n- dressed up nice ways of saying uh hey opportunities to gig with your dad yeah might yeah, yeah. not come along and eight-year-old you isn't yeah. gonna know that these piano lessons are gonna pay off one day yeah etc etc et uh, but then when you literally just put the phrase between me and the buried, yeah. uh, cause like, uh, obviously everybody dies yeah. and that's what we in this culture do is we, we bury our, our dead ones and yeah. it's like, 
it's it's only a, a moment before it's somebody else in charge of putting you in the ground dude it just like punches you in the gut yeah kind of yeah completely you know? so um, that's 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 it's it's kind of a long name so but it but it, but it it's not clumsy it's got a ring to it and no. it kind of comes off the tongue yeah you know every, every every part of it is totally necessary yep you know uh, so we got the wild transition from mirrors, the opener into obfuscation, which is track two, plus all the, I mean, have you, do you, do you sing ever when you gig? Uh, not when I gig, but I, I can sing and I, I do sing sometimes on like my own stuff. Okay. Do you ever go that direction? The Yes. And sometimes. Do you feel like you have it? You can do it well or? It's really tough. Okay. <laughs> Are are you talking about like the, the throaty the heavy scream? Stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can do it, kind of like how I want to do it for my stuff, but I definitely don't consider myself like a like a vocalist. Um, and that kind of aggression and just like rawness is something that you you need to practice a hundred percent. Get really good at because if you don't, then you could you can know, hurt yourself. Oh yeah, you'll mess your voice up, dude. Well. Uh, <sighs> My favorite, uh, only because you mentioned the Chiefs, my favorite uh, commentating pair these days, and it's not even close, is Tony Romo and Jim Nance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Romo's amazing. I think him and Nance complement each other well. Uh, but a couple of years ago, somebody did kind of a profile piece where they got to hang out with them from like, you know, early morning until the early part of the evening. And I think yeah. it was a noon kick. But so they're, I think they were like in a car together, Romo and Nance and this reporter, this journalist is with them and, uh, they go through the drive through and Romo was just kind of telling them about the morning and the day. And he's like, I start, I don't remember if he said five hours or three, some remarkable amount of time before the broadcast yeah. with exercises yeah, to, to yeah. warm his throat up to, to call a football game. You know, which is like, in a sense, only a tick more aggressive than what you and I are doing right now into the microphone. I mean, yeah. there's excitement and confusion and all these sorts of things, but it's not screaming at that. So I can only imagine that it must be uh, a significant exercise that, uh, and by the way, you're, you can't just do that tomorrow, like, you know, at warm up. You, you no. need to really, I think, develop the habit time. before you go for it right yeah yeah um i mean you can read about all these different heavy vocalists that have like routines for for just prepping themselves just to go on tour i mean when between the buried me goes on tour sometimes they it's it's not uncommon for them in, in some part of their album cycle which at this point in their career like a lot of their albums are are having these 10-year anniversaries um one of their biggest ones ever a fan favorite the parallax 2 future sequence is in October are going to be 10 years old. Dang. So they go out and they play entire albums top to bottom, like on like a, like a 30 run, like a 30 date. You're, you're just like these super long tours where he has to do it every single night. And I have a lot of favorite bands that sometimes the vocalist just like get sick or, or, tra or trashes his voice night yeah, one, and they got to do the they got to do the show instrumental or something, and it's like uh, Tommy's never had to do that from between the buried me because he's 
I smart. I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's a combination of being smart and just just having the right voice for it. Yeah. First of all, yeah, which he does, and I don't know. So that's well, I I've brought this up once before uh, on a different episode, but uh, uh, there's a there's a gal called the Charismatic Voice on YouTube, yeah. and she's like a vocal coach or an expert in that field yeah and so she reviews songs that people suggest and I think i've seen her stuff she's, actually she's cute and she's really good at what she does yeah um <clears throat> and you know like kind of gets geeked out about things that are really in the heart of her wheelhouse yeah uh but i watched her do a reaction to tom sawyer by rush <laughs> oh yeah and um she really you know it was mine. Getty kind of gets uh, up there a lot, and especially in that song. And she uh, was, first of all, the first observation she made was the way that he was like closing his mouth or his teeth at the end of consonants. And there was a term for it, which I forget already. Hmm. But then she was talking about uh, not only uh, like he, he knows physically with his body where to go to hit those high spots and not have it be a strain. Yeah. And then she's talking about like, Oh, look how he's standing his posture in standing and, and how, um, uh, if you, you really, really do yourself a favor if you have the good pot and, and also you can take it up another notch if you're barefoot. Oh, damn. And I was like, all of these things like, wow. So, I mean, there's a, you know, it, makes complete sense that you know a band uh could go out there and the dude could trash his voice and you know in one set yeah you know yeah if you uh, it's just one of those things that takes practice man disease injury madness track three 1102 running time my favorite song ballsy move just just my favorite song what a ride that thing is yeah uh it's it's i mean (sighs) I don't know. Um, and, and it's, it's very interesting that, uh, so we had this sort of surprise opener, the, the hard transition into track two yeah. and then kind of right here in the middle ground, they give us this, you know, this kind of epic journey. Yeah. Um, and for me, I will get to the, the other uh, in, in just a sec, but, uh, you know, it closes with an, an 18 minute mammoth, uh, but I almost, I almost think I like uh, disease injury madness a little bit better than that final track. Yeah, swim to the moon is swim um, to the moon. Not, yeah. not for the, uh, not for the the casual listener. Well, it's, just trying to put something on. It's definitely like a like a task, right? To, right. Get, to get through. But um, I love thinking about this record because it takes me to my senior year of high school, where I was kind of figuring out a lot of stuff about who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And one thing that I was kind of realizing is I wanted to get really into recording and producing music and stuff. Um, and I wanted to write music and this album coming out, like, so just, just to kind of like give some context, cause um, I was going to ask Gord if of, you didn't give it. So a lot of people, most, most people have heard most people that are into like any kind of heavy music have heard of between the buried me at, at this point. Um, they started with their self-titled, just pretty run-of-the-mill hardcore stuff. They're all really good at their instruments still at this time. And then the Silent Circus is like a better version of that. 
and then they had some lineup changes and then Alaska came out and Alaska is just like, now they're starting to, they still have that super, super heavy edge, but they're kind of getting some weird, like progressive, like, like proggy elements and stuff in there too. But they're still just like, it's just like brutal sounding. So then colors came out and colors is like, like their magnum opus. I mean, it's still talked about as a lot of people say it's like the best modern progressive metal album ever. And And it was just like overwhelming how, how it, it just took them from here to like there, like they, they did stuff on that album that like no other band had done at that time. So with that, you know, what are they going to do next? It was the, the anticipation was like, Oh my God, are they, are they going to like, are they going to make even longer songs or are the, are the parts going to be crazier? Like it's like colors is a super, super technical record. There's a lot of, a lot of notes, a lot of riffs. I think a lot of people's complaints with it is that it just kind of sometimes sounds like a little bit like riff salad. It's like they're doing this and then the guitars are doing this and it's, it all makes sense, but it's overwhelming I, to listen to. I think that's why Swim to the Moon didn't jive with me quite as heavily because it felt like a whole bunch of solos or vignettes or one, pieces. One after the other. Yeah. yeah. It's it's too it's like all over the place basically. So their answer to that in the great misdirect is <clears throat> colors is kind of supposed to feel like one super long song. I, my favorite thing about the great misdirect is that they, instead of like doing that again, I think they really kind of stepped back and they do, they kind of changed their approach and they, instead they made something that kind of feels like, like mirrors and obfuscation kind of are like one, it, it goes into obfuscation so much that you can kind of consider that like one song. It kind of feels like, like a, like a mini series almost. <laughs> it's not a concept album because each each song is about something very different. Mm-hmm. None of them are related, but it's, it's almost kind of like you're, you're listening to like, you're, you're kind of like going into like different universes almost, but, but they're all super, super detailed. They kind of dialed back the, the technical stuff a little bit and focused a little bit more on like arrangement and just what's a good part for this. I, th- I think it's just like a much, I think I and it's it's crazy because it's like how are they going to top colors? I th- I think they did. So did did were you pretty familiar with colors before this record came out? Yeah, I started listening to them before colors came out. So I got really into Alaska. That okay. was that was the one that I was like, like I think I heard the song Alaska. That was the first song that I ever heard by them. I, I was hanging out with one of my buddies and we were just like we found them on MySpace or something. I played one wow. of their songs and I was like shit these guys sound like these guys sound like dream theater if they were way 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 heavier mm-hmm. and, and the vocalist didn't sound like a girl right basically <laughs> not to say so, anything bad about james labrie but no like, so but, so then so then when colors came out i was like i remember seeing the track list for it on itunes and i was like dude these guys have like what look how many of these songs are like 10 minute songs or whatever and then the great mister comes out this this is an hour long album, like you said. It only has six songs on it, dude. Yeah, that is like. So, but so, but colors is the, the Magnus. How do you say it? Magnus. That's opus? like magnum opus. Magnum opus. But this record, you like this record better. I think it's. I think it's a better album, even if the last track is a little bit 
yeah kind of kind of jammy in some spots sure. there's a lot of like random soloing and shit but um uh yeah. fo- fossil genera geneva fossil genera genera a feed from, from cloud, cloud mountain. mountain uh so <laughs> ag- i mean again just the, the surprises oh they open up with keys yeah, it's and there's weird chill, like, chill vocals like Mike Patton esque like Mr. Bungle is type that, weird shit. Uh, Mike Patton is that the dude from Faith No More? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like keys, chill vocals, and then there's even a couple of like la la like weird little yeah. things happening. I was like, what is gonna happen here? It's just zany, man. Uh, they get really zany. And then after after the minute mark, you know, or ninety seconds or so, and they just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take yeah. off yeah um and then you know just it's 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 really creative across the track and then uh a really interesting final two minutes big epic epic ending dude um yeah. so this <laughs> is uh this is five of ten for them um and you uh after this you you familiar with all their stuff that came out after oh, this yeah. one okay oh yeah very um uh dessert dessert of song uh, almost a total departure from yeah. the whole rest of the record. Oh, it's just them taking a breather. Man. I mean, uh, I like it fits though. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, and then swim to the moon. You know, um, that's there's no way that uh you could even one listen doesn't mean shit. Like no. I, I'd have to give it you know a couple or three to really oh okay. They're, they're one of those bands where you listen to one of their songs like that like one time through and you're like i don't, I don't know what i just <laughs> i have no I, I could not right. like hum you a single lick right I just heard yeah because it's it takes a second swim to the moon is like like what that song is about i, I love in music like when the lyrics are about something and then the actual music is like illustrating that somehow yeah like yeah not all the time you don't want every song to do yeah because i mean it can get tacky but if it's done like every once in a while and and done well yes yeah that's that is chef kiss yeah you're you're like a lyric guy so i'm i'm definitely more like kind of i should pay more attention to the lyrics but like anyway this this song is about a dude who i guess is like so sick of society that he just decides to like swim out of the ocean and like he wants to build himself a raft and then just be away from society. Uh, and, but then like he's out in the middle of the ocean and he's like going to drown and shit. And he's, and get the waves are getting more intense. It's the aqua version of into the wild. It's yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it's like that. So it's just heavy riff after riff, after riff, after riff. There's a part where he's like panic takes over my body. That's a super heavy part. And then, and then it's it just like never ends. Hmm. And I just imagine that's what that would be like if I did that. Like yeah. the panic just it just keeps coming and keeps coming, dude. Yeah. And then I mean uh eventually you're gonna die. Yeah. And, and then other shit's gonna happen to you after you're dead. Yeah. You know, and it's just yep. kinda keeps Yep. Um so any other uh, whether it's now or early two thousands or what nineties, uh, any any other uh, big big records for you that will always hold a fond place. Um, those are those are the big ones, but I'm also really really hugely into um, like post metal or just uh, I have you ever heard of a band called Isis? 
Mm-mm. They were big before ISIS became for real. A ter- yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it 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 actually sucks because now when you talk about ISIS, you're so they're a band that um kind of like I I kind of I have a huge love for that whole subgenre of metal where it's just like again super super low tuned guitars, but the material is like kind of it's almost kind of like stoner rock a little okay. bit but it's it's like you start with an idea this really really long songs but unlike a band like between the buried and me you start with an idea and then it just slowly turns into something huge and massive and isis is one of the bands that mastered that okay kind of post metal post metal post post rock i mean if you like you can look up a lot of the origins of post rock and you'll you'll get some pretty weird obscure stuff well i think anytime we've had post punk and post pop yeah i mean i didn't even know that post rock and post metal were things post rock kind of gets conflated with like avant-garde stuff okay a little bit so it's it's kind of weird but the the metal aspect of it has has brought i think some of the greatest albums that i've ever heard um definitely emphasis on the word albums again this is right. this is stuff that like like panopticon by isis that's a seven song album really long songs it's all very specifically ordered like you're supposed to listen to the whole thing and it sure it just kind of feels like a journey i love it and yeah that that would be that would be where my brain goes next. Oh, and Opeth too. Blackwater Park by Opeth. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, you mentioned, uh, you know, senior year, uh, kind of having the realization that uh, recording and production might be a thing that you uh, would like to do or are into. Or uh, yeah, how did how did you wind up there? So, um, I knew I I had been playing guitar. And I wanted to write my own stuff. And I just wanted a way to, like, get it professionally. It's all very, like, <clears throat> it was all really self-serving for me. Because I've been, like, a musician my whole life. But I've only been into recording for, like, I guess half my life now. So um, I ended up going to the Summit Tech Academy, which is a kind of like a like a trade school or like a tech school thing that you could go study random stuff in your senior year of high school. Cool. For credit hours? Uh, or no, just on the no. side? For... Just just like on the side. So okay. you can get a certificate in this or that or whatever. Nice. So the, the Summit Tech Academy had, had a digital media course where for my whole senior year of high school, I spent half of each day going in in the mornings. And then the first semester was like, um, like film production. So I learned about you know, color correction and like lighting and got pretty extensive into the video editing using Final Cut Pro and just doing a lot of stuff like that. But um, it was only a semester long. So I just kind of scratched the surface. This is still Westminster? No, this was in Lee Summit. Oh, here, oh, oh, 13. Here. 13 yeah. was when you, my bad. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like 18, 17, 18 at this point. Okay. This place still exists? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're doing great. Actually, the digital media portion of it, they're in like a totally different building, like across the street now. And the program is like really built up now and it's cool. Actually, it's actually, I actually got invited back there to kind of do like a little bit of like guest mixing on something. That's fun. As, as somebody who graduated over 10 years ago. Did you do it? it? I did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, 
but yeah, so that so they kind of split it up. I think they're still doing it like this, where the first semester is like film production, second semester is like audio production. Okay. And that was kind of my first crash course into learning how to do things like put mics on stuff, record stuff. We even got into some sound design um, using Logic Pro's software and and really just getting familiarized with that sure i had a really rock star teacher who was also my orchestra director uh, mr kurt Mosier, who actually found a way to get logic pro onto my personal computer okay yeah i don't think he was supposed to do that. <laughs> i hope he doesn't get in trouble shouts out he's, to mr Mosier. Hey, he's retired anyway right, man. right how you doing Mosier? <laughs> thanks for that man <laughs> appreciate you yeah and so that kind of it's so once I had that software and then I got some other stuff, that was when I really first started like making my own music and like learning how to, how to do all of this stuff that I'm still doing today. So that program was really like the thing that, sure. that kind of got me into it. And then after that, I went to Mizzou for a year. Really? They didn't have, I mean, I was just studying, like I was double majoring in like computer science and music performance. Back to that smart people shit. Dude, I had to drop the computer science at semester cause I couldn't handle doing a music degree and an engineering degree at the same time. I mean, yeah. As a freshman. That so, sounds, sounds like a lot. But I wanted to keep studying recording, but they there was like no, there wasn't really anything like that okay. at Mizzou. I guess UCM at the time had a really good program for it. Is that Rolla? Uh, no, it's Warrensburg. Warrensburg, okay. And then... Oh, it's right down the street. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty close by I don't know why I didn't go there. <laughs> uh, I didn't go there because I found out about the uh, McNally Smith College of Music, which uh, was in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hence the the triangle is complete. Right, <laughs> Going right. Going back to Minnesota. And went to school there and graduated in three years because I went during the summers. And that so I graduated in 2014. And then since then, I've just been doing my thing so what do you mean by self-serving because you're a musician like now you've acquired this skill where you can uh record your own stuff whether it's yeah <laughs> original material or just you riffing whatever it is but now you have the skill right is that what you meant by self-serving yeah okay. like I, I guess i meant maybe not self-serving but it was definitely like I, I wanted to do it because I wanted to make my stuff sound good. I don't think there's anything like self-serving doesn't have to have a negative connotation to it. I think it's perfectly fine if you yeah like, uh, Hey, like, I mean, figuring out how to do you know, with help of, of yourself, my cousin who, you know, uh, had people help me with the idea of the table and mounting camera. I mean, yeah. uh, it's, it's good for your brain and your soul to learn a new skill. Yeah. And if, one of the end results of said new skill means that you are fostering another like of your own. I mean, fucking go for it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a good attitude I, to have. I mean, and I, I don't, I'm not being silly. I'm, yeah, I mean no, that. Yeah. Like, and I guess, like, really, when you think about it, how how does anybody come to want to get into recording anyway? Well, uh, I mean, uh, the guy that was on here. Does your dad ever? By the way, does he? ever look for does he ever find him and it's man i really need a guitarist because if he did my last guess would be oh uh, well maybe i mean he's he needs he needs people some i know he needs somebody for friday right right <laughs> so yeah. um but he you know uh has been i mean he's 
been in bands for decades um and they they uh this wasn't like uh per se his personal highlight but they uh opened for uh cherry pop and daddies oh um and it was like you know we're we're used to doing a jazz number and you finish a song and there's like four people clapping yeah this was <laughs> shoulder to shoulder oh you look out and all you see is heads at, yeah. a, at a big venue and then you finish a song and the place like erupts oh. yeah. yeah he was like oh my god anyway uh he talked about uh very clearly like across his trajectory you come across you know cross paths with people that uh, you know, they, they dabble in not all of them, but dabble in recording. And then they're like, you know what? I think I like this better. Yeah. And like, I didn't not enjoy being a musician or gigging, yeah. but I, I actually just in my heart of hearts like this more. Yeah. And this is how I want to spend my time. So, you know, uh, you nothing, nothing wrong with either, yeah, either man. way. And, and just like for, for my part of it, I think the like idealist, like idealistic part of me kind of gravitates more towards just doing like, like studio work. Sure. Uh, more than live work because I, I like, we well, all, you don't we have all to, like control. You don't, you don't <laughs> have to fuck around with that anxiety. Dude, exactly. Yeah. yeah. At, at least not on the same level. Yeah. Some people have it the other way around, man. Like I've, I've like a lot of the people that I bring into the studio, sometimes they're in there for maybe the second or third time ever being in a studio. And that, that gives people a, a certain other kind of anxiety yeah and to me that's like it's normal right me, yeah but it's it's just interesting how that's different different brains kind of react differently in in different fires so know? is there a, a project that you're working on right now musically or recording or that doesn't necessarily pertain to your job or it's just like a you know a pet project or, or love or... well a couple of things actually i want to talk about um i have an album that's about to come out with a, a guy who kind of started out as like a client of mine really uh he just wanted somebody to play instruments on his stuff and so we started learning his songs together and i started basically like writing second guitar parts or like a bass part to this or whatever this was like three years ago. Sure. And so like now we're at a point where we actually kind of developed this musical relationship where instead of like him doing an EP and hiring me to play instruments on it, we kind of, it kind of has turned into like a full length album. Nice. That he's, he still has written most of the songs, like all the lyrics, but it's way, way more collaborative now. Okay. And it's pretty cool. It's, there's a lot of acoustic songs, but it's not fully an acoustic record. There's, three or four songs on there that have like all instruments on it. Um, it's called karate at the mall. Okay. That's the band name. Okay. And that's the name of the album. Self-titled right debut. Yeah. And the, and the first song on it is called karate. There, at the hey, mall. so is this like, uh, uh, the project with, uh, where you recorded your mom, like whenever you c can make schedules work, you, you cut out a, a block and you go work on the thing. And yeah, we, it's, it's dependent on our schedules. Right. So, um, but it's, it's all been done at chapter two. Okay. Work. So he's, that's one of my, he's one of my longest lasting and, and best clients, but, but it's also like, I'm, I'm in a band with him now too. So this started as a, as a project under the chapter two umbrella and has kind of become its own thing or it still is a chapter two thing or it's, a, it's definitely, 
I mean, we've done everything at chapter two, so it kind of it's it's sort of synonymous with blessings from the powers that be over there. Yes, okay. yes, and, cool. And we're, I mean, we'll do, we'll like we're like rehearsing for to kind of like play some live shows now, um, out of the studio, which is really great. And who's yeah. gonna who's gonna shepherd the the thing that is making that happen, you know, get, getting the gigs, setting it up. I mean, I think we're going to kind of take that on equally. Okay. We each, we each have some ideas cool. of, of places that we want to reach out to and going to start really small, you know, but we're, we are planning on, you know, we're getting equipment together to take out and we have, I mean, we could probably do a two hour set. No kidding. With, with just original songs and his originals. It's like all original stuff, and then we'll probably throw some covers in there sure. at some point. But a couple or three covers yeah. is always fun. So that's that's something that is right about to come out that I'm really excited about. I don't know what the release date is yet. We well, haven't really talked about it. Where, where is it going to be on like Bandcamp? It'll or? be band. We'll make a Bandcamp account, but okay. we're going to make sure that it's on any streaming service. That nice. Think we're we're trying to decide if we want to press actual CDs, but oh it's, wow! But it's at least going to be. Any place that you could stream something, sure, it'll it'll be out there. So, so you think like month, handful of months, or maybe maybe a couple months, couple months at the very most. I mean, okay. I I just finished mastering the album last week. Well, I mean, they've, they've been approved by us both, and nice and everything. So, of course, so. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. show up every year and kind of yeah, throw everybody's calendars off but a couple months from now karate at the mall that's coming out uh and very cool i'm and also i'm also working on my own solo album no really okay. i do i do have a solo project that's kind of like um i was talking to you about post metal yeah it's, it's mostly instrumental and it kind of sounds like that but it can get a little bit busier at times so i have two full-length albums out with that and then an ep with that that are already out yeah they're they're already out so, really so the name of the project is red fenton fenton like f-e-n-t-o-n f-i-n-t-o-n f-i-n okay yeah. so that's that stuff is everywhere anybody could go look for the those projects but this record that i'm doing now is like not under that it's like more of like a solo effort and it's going to be more like song oriented. Okay. I think so. Very it's, cool, man. It's actually, it's going to, it's going to be like a lot wackier too. I'm actually kind of nervous about recording oh. it. Cause it, you gotta, I mean, yeah. you, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the baby, baby pre-production stages. Sure. Of that. I'm, I'm like demoing stuff. So that will well, come out maybe hopefully sometime like I mean, a year or something. You, you wrote it the way you wrote it and created it the way you created it. And like, don't I I think uh you shouldn't let yourself get caught up in that nervousness because like oh, yeah. you when you made it you loved it, right? Yes. Or you at least on some level enjoyed it. So just oh, yeah. just because you're gonna expose yourself to the world, don't don't forget that where it came from was oh, man. the right I'm, I'm gonna you know I mean? I'm gonna make no it's it's all it's all the only thing that I care about is how do I feel about this. Sure. That's that's really what it is. Okay, man. so hopefully people like it. We'll see. Yeah, I got a, got a long where, I got a long road ahead of me as far as sure. that one. But where uh, did that name come from? Oh, uh, the Red Fenton. Mm -hmm. It's like an old reference to like when I was little. I used to like write comics. Nice. 
I, really, really little and like really crappy stuff that I would just do when I was sure. supposed to be like reading something right. in school or whatever. Yeah. So I think Fintan is like a reference to like a city in like one of those stories that I had like made up in okay. my head or something. So it's it's like something from my old childhood that and red's my favorite color. Okay. So I don't know. At a certain point, it, it kind of like I had Red Fenton as my email address. Funny. Like my my first one, and then. I don't know. After college, I just decided to use it as, as a name for a project. Sure. And then funny how that stuff becomes reality. It's like born somewhere back here. And then all of a sudden it's a real thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, so red Fenton, F I N T O N, uh, you can find stuff already. Uh, karate at the mall. That's uh, couple going mo- to be coming. A couple out. months away. Uh, and will you promote it on social media platforms? Yeah. Um, and where would be, what would be the best ones for people to check or follow you so they know? So you probably want to follow, if, if you're interested, go to the Chapter 2 recording Instagram because it'll be all over that. But then my own personal Instagram and, and Josh's um and then karate at the mall, we actually have an Instagram and a YouTube page, and okay, a Facebook page, and just with stuff already on it. Yeah, nice. A little bit of stuff. A little bit of stuff. Sure. Yeah. A little bit goes a long way. Yeah, man. Um, do you find, generally speaking, uh, that the world that we live in right now is is a, a place in which one can easily find and obtain happiness, or does it? Uh, must we endure the fires and the battles and the trials? I mean, just from your experience at age, are you 30 right now? Yeah. 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 I I like how, I like how we're ending this on a super, super deep note. Um, I don't know. I mean, any, any more these days, I feel like that the answer to that, I don't think there's any like right or wrong answer, but I think if there is, then it it depends entirely on your relationship with yourself. Okay. You know, can you say a little bit more about that relationship with yourself? Well, if you're not happy with yourself, then it kind of, it doesn't matter what you accomplish, what you think you want to accomplish. If you get there, then you know, there's, you, you, it's all about what's going on yeah. here, man. Yeah. Like how, how are you with you? Right. You know? That just goes that I don't know if that's like a cop out answer. No, but like, no, it's real. I think like I'm, I I certainly have not been having an easy year with like being laid off and um. You know that's that's been stressful. There's been some other stressful stuff too. Like my grandpa passed away earlier this year. Really? And yeah, and it's just but but like I'm, so I'm like going through kind of a stressful time right now, but. I I wake up every day and I'm I'm like pretty stoked. I mean, it so. it seems like there are uh, pockets of joy already existing and potential like within yeah. arm's reach for you to sort of, you know, you latch onto for yeah. a little bit and then, yeah, or take and a drink then, from and yeah yeah you you just can't stick around anywhere for like too long and right. just just make sure that you're not. Well, the whole adage, uh, life is what happens when you're making plans. I mean, you, you t- we, upstairs, you were telling me about this whole big, to me, th- this big, okay, like I got, I got a place, I have things that I'm interested in, I have a job, and uh, all right, now, next chat, and then all of a sudden, boom, right? Yeah. And uh, yep. if you don't uh, either have a little bit of resiliency or develop a little bit along the way, it can be cold and brutal out there, man. 
Yeah, yeah. You got to be willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. And and then later remember that shit. Yeah, and then it becomes comfortable and then it and then more life happens to you yeah. and then you and then you just keep doing it yeah. you know, until you die. <laughs> right? Uh so uh tomorrow I know that you um are uh, a musician at heart and you've you've acquired these uh, skills uh that are that are closely related to the music world but tomorrow you wake up uh and um money is no longer an issue you your your family you whoever it is there's there's more money than all the people that are in your circle can spend before they're all dead yeah um so you don't have to have a job or look for a job yeah your days are to spend how you want to spend them what are your days looking like <laughs> dang man i mean um, i would i would suspect that there's an element of musicianship there's an element of recording and production yeah perhaps you know at the top you mentioned uh that you you and your siblings are close but you don't get to see them as off so perhaps a little bit more time with family but yeah what are the rest of the gaps are you are you a traveling guy are you yes. gonna go invent something in a lab yes are you gonna I'm, hike a mountain dude i'm i'm a traveler big time okay that's, that's probably what i would if 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 I woke up tomorrow and I had basically like an endless supply yeah. of money, then I'd start figuring out like what's, I'd, I want to see parts of the world sure. that I wouldn't be able to. And, and I feel like it's really important that I do that as much as possible because especially like somebody like me, like I don't have, I don't have pets or a girlfriend or kids or anything right. like that, man. Right. It's, it's just me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, traveling, um, I want to get really good at cooking. Okay. I want to be like, like when quarantine started, I got really hooked on just watching like Kenji Lopez, all, uh, binging with Babish, all of these, just all of these cooking channels. And it's really like, it's gone beyond just me habitually. Like, look, it's like, I'm actually like trying some of this stuff and like getting into it. Cool. So I think, I, th I think that, people who are like really into like the whole culinary industry and kind of like the, the music industry. I think there's like a lot of overlap. Yes, there. for sure. And I think, I think comedy's in there too, man. Oh I mean, yeah, dude, big the, time. The best comics, uh, in the world, uh, you know, they, um, they go wherever they, their, their little spot locally, or maybe they maybe they, they tour. Um, but you, you, you're writing in some, yeah. in some fashion and then, uh, you write a joke or you write a series of jokes and then all of a sudden you have a bit yeah. and then you got to try that shit out on stage mm -hmm. and the end goal, uh, you know, if you follow the, you know, the, the already printed uh, itinerary for how to make it yeah. uh, is that you come up with an hour yeah. and then you shoot a special. And then the minute you shoot that special, that hour is no longer. Are, are you telling, you, gotta, you don't yeah. tell those jokes anymore. It's all, you the whole, you start go the whole, on. Yep. and they, all of the, I watch podcasts of the, these guys that there's, there's a level of anxiety and nervousness uh, immediately. Yeah. You shoot that special and you're like, fuck now I got to do new stuff. And it's like, you've been doing it. They've been doing it their whole lives, their whole adult life. And so, oh, and they still suffer with, with, with probably, they probably grapple with the insecurities of it. Um, 
I just watched the Sam Morrell special. Oh, I'm is, so he's awesome. Dude. I so he's one of the best joke writers in the business. I love him. I do not like this new model that Netflix is like saying, you know, a 30 minute or a 45 minute. Oh yeah. Cause, cause that yeah. was a really good special, but I would have absolutely loved 15 more minutes. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But um, he's, he's so, I saw him here uh, in the fall oh, nice. last year. Uh, great. Just a great. I liked, I didn't even know who he was until same. like a few months ago. I yeah. Think. Well, he was uh, some, I mean about uh, around a year ago, um, perhaps longer, um, somebody mentioned, um, him cause, cause he was, he was dating another comic. Um, and, it, but somebody was like, Oh dude, he's like the best joke writer in the business right now. And so yeah. I just went to YouTube and I was like, Holy shit, he's, funny he's fuck, really dude. fucking smart and sharp. Yeah. And then he, you know, Burt Kreischer's kind of, um, uh, been given the, uh, credit for this drive-in movie theater thing during COVID. Yeah, Sam did his own deal and 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 occasionally illegally booked rooftop gigs. <laughs> uh, you know, and he's, so he's fighting like every bit. Not only is everybody distant and masked, but like you know, there's helicopters and shit. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, said, dude. <laughs> one of them in you know in, in New York, everything goes this way, and one he was in the middle, and somebody opened their window. They're like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dude, but, that's amazing. Yeah, but his, uh, but yeah, it, it, but it go, all of it goes back to that. Uh, you know, there's only nervousness and anxiety if you give a shit. Yeah, about it. If if, if you yeah. really enjoy this and you really want to do it well, that's part of the mix, baby. You just got to figure out how to dance with it, right? Yeah, and it's it's all about just taking that and stride and ex- experiencing it and feeling it and and then just doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, well, cool, man. Um, travel, any, any other, uh, hobbies you've always wanted to peek under the covers at or, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty big into running and that's kind of a big focus right now. I'm training for the Kansas city marathon. Really? Yeah. So that's, that's a big part of my life right now. When is that happening? October 15th. I mean, that's like tomorrow. It's coming. How long have you been training? It's coming up. Well, this past Saturday I did 21 miles. No kidding. And it was the first time that I hit the wall, as they call it. What did you do? Well, uh, the wall I thought was just like a vague term for just kind of like being too tired to keep running, which is what happens to a, a lot of runners, but it's not. It's an actual thing that happens to your body when you're you've burned so much calories that you, you have no more glycogen in your system. So it's dangerous. So your body has to tap into like your body, basically your body starts burning fat as as a fuel source instead of glycogen, which is nowhere near as efficient and you feel it. It's fuck up your sugar levels and make you feel dizzy and shit. Dude. I mean, I got done with this thing. Like my arms were tingling. I was, I was so dizzy. Like I didn't feel like I could see straight, man. So yeah, it might it might be dangerous. <laughs> I don't know for sure. But but how I'm, great will it, will it feel when you finish that race? Right. So what I'm hoping is going to happen is that um, with a little bit better preparation and taking more breaks and just being like taking it like a little bit easier, um, I'm hoping that like the adrenaline that comes from just like being in a race with all these other people is going to be enough to, to carry me the rest of the way with, without me like passing out and dying. Well, I think, uh, I think the, the, the only 
mindset to have for your first one is I just want to, to do finish. It. I just want to get it done. I and don't so, even care. I don't so, care how long it takes. Right, I just want to do it. You can't. You got to take care of yourself yeah. early so you don't burn out and then you're, you know. So are you are you running like in the mornings? Yes. Okay. Yeah, especially when I do these really long runs. I, I try to go as early as possible. I have a buddy that I do it with, which, okay. which really helps. And, uh, I mean, you've now here uh, near the end of September, I would, if you've been doing this for a minute, I would suspect you've experienced a, a lot of different weather situations, yeah. like the hot and the chilly and the wet. I the, mean, we the weather makes an astounding difference in how, like, I've, I've had runs that were like 13 i've ran like half marathons even like being like a little bit hungover sometimes okay i've done it and it's been like easier than some days where i go try to run five miles and maybe i didn't sleep well and it's like 89 degrees out like i have trouble finishing that but the other one so so the i would say the weather and getting enough sleep and sure. just being, and just being hydrated enough those are the three main things yeah probably and they probably all take um so last but not least I, I meant to ask this earlier but um so your your mom heard the blink 182 stuff and and maybe also heard chevelle yeah uh your dad obvi obviously they're both huge music backgrounds your dad asked you to gig with him from time to time yeah um what did they have any kind of reaction to sort of the uh, throaty, aggressive stuff that you get a little bit of in uh, the Great Misdirect? Were they are they into it? Like what? How did I think they they? I don't think they get it. Like they okay. they definitely like appreciate it, and they they would never like they would never be like, why do you listen to that? <laughs> shit? You know? But I I don't think uh, I I don't know I don't think they like. They definitely, they definitely like wouldn't listen to that sure. kind of stuff on their own. Maybe. But they, well, there has been stuff that there, like, there's been times where I come home and I'm listening to like the Contortionist or some kind of a band that's that's like that, and then my mom would be like, "What were you like listening to in your car, like when you like drove in last night? Because it sounded like really cool." Hmm. You know, nice. So there's definitely like a link there. Sure. But uh, for the most part, we don't. Try, like we it's it's like totally open there's no gatekeeping or anything like sure. that but i would never expect them to to ask me a lot of questions about the bands that i listen to right. I mean, they, me, they do sometimes let me borrow your system of down cd i can't find mine. Yeah, yeah 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 exactly and then um and anymore and it kind of works the other way around too because like i don't really listen to a lot of jazz i mean i have this like super deep embedded like appreciation for it it's in your bones and and classical music and stuff like that but i i don't it doesn't like it it doesn't give my heart a boner right to listen right. to that stuff uh so you got to figure out where the mom project is that you recorded you got to figure if she still has it or you, i forget um, what you said oh well it's I don't. I don't know what places it's available online I mean, but it's, somewhere yeah okay yeah, yeah right. for sure um okay so uh karate at the mall uh coming soon uh the red fenton stuff that's is already out there that stuff's already out there and then i'm working on my own which is going to be like under my name kind of an album L okay so L louis pagan on, yeah. on instagram uh yeah. and then maybe uh maybe you should throw your mom's stuff up there uh just to see i need to 
if you um, can. Yeah. I, at the very least, need to put it in my portfolio on my website. There you go. Oh, so you have a website. <laughs> I do. Yes. Yes. Please visit my website. It's what, brand new. Which is? It's lpaudioproducer.com. lpaudioproducer.com. And can you find all your social media platforms from that oh, website? Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Every, everything's linked up. Very nice. Um, man, well, thank you again for uh, last winter uh, coming and uh, entering a stranger's home to help him sort of get this thing dude, off the ground. Yeah. Dude, it makes me so happy to like look behind me and see this wall of like all, all of these shows that you've done with, with this and, and just, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, thanks this, for making the time. Badass. I know, uh, when we first started uh, communicating that your, your schedule was, uh, super crazy and, uh, maybe that's shifted a little now, but I, I was, I, I was, you know, when I, when I reached out, I was like, I don't know if he's going to have time to, so I'm, I'm glad you did. And thank Dude, you yeah. for giving yeah. it to me, man. Uh, it's all, it's all about making time for the stuff you want to do. Right. That's like, that's, that's my, that's how I look at stuff like that. You I know? love it. Well, Louis Pagan, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hell yeah, man. All right. Talk to you. Hell yeah, dude. That was good.